0: Thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss
2: McGill. Oh. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 92 of the big show some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wacky Wednesday? Got a great guest for you guys today. Derek Reynolds. Hello, Sasky. A lot of fun talking to Derek. Uh, he played in the SJHL, BC, USHL. Went on to college. Forgot to ask him what fraternity he was in. Oh, he's got to be Alpha Beta. Maybe he was a tri I don't know. I forgot to ask. Oh, see? There we go. I already blew it. But, uh, and then he went on and played pro down south in Huntsville and Tulsa and all that fun stuff. And, uh, and we talk about it all. We cover all his teammates and... Uh, Coaches and opponents, and uh, it was a really fun talk, and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I thank Derek again for coming on and spending the time. Actually, it was over a two day period that we did the interview, so I'm uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, for all you folks tuning in for the first, I'm sure Derek has friends and family tuning in, and this is the first time you've heard heard my voice, and you're like, who is this guy? But uh, again, 92 episodes, I encourage everybody to please go back and check out the back catalog. I've interviewed John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Roman Bopat, Marco Cefalo, Wade Brookbank, on and on. Um, I do two shows a week. Uh, Wednesday is obviously interview day with either an ex-player or a fellow fight fan or what have you. And then Sunday is, uh, I don't know, me staring out the window and yelling at Cloud's old man ranting episodes of... Whatever the goings on in hockey, or um, something I'll, I'll talk about old, like I'll find old articles, I'll talk about stuff, and I ah, whatever. And like I said, it's just a general potpourri show, if you will. So I, I never, I don't have too much plan for that stuff. I just, uh, although this week, I'll tell you, uh, once again, Curtis Gabriel's in the news for all, for all, and uh, I got, uh, I've gotten a lot of grief. Over my stance on Curtis Gabriel and a few things from not only fellow fight fans, but, uh, or are they really fight fans? I don't know anymore. And, uh, even ex enforcers are giving me grief. So, and family members. I'll talk all about it on Sunday, but, uh, also, uh, for those folks, uh, Steve from whenprobertwasking.com has started up a GoFundMe and uh because everybody bemoans the loss of drop your gloves the website that was such a tremendous website and we've gone on and on for what a year two years now about uh how it sucks that it's gone and everything else while steve's taken up the initiative to recreate that website and uh, make it bigger and better than ever uh like he said a site for hockey fans run by hockey fans fight fans and um I'm gonna actually. I'm trying. I'm getting a hold of Steve here tonight. Hopefully, we can rec- record something, and uh, he can go into all the details about the the GoFundMe. Um, but hey, speak, the aforementioned Curtis Gabriel, he gave money to the to the uh, to the uh, Drop Your Gloves Resurgence site uh, GoFundMe. So um, hey, Curtis gets it. But uh, I encourage everybody to uh, please donate whatever you. You know, whatever you can afford. I mean, you know, I know it's tough times and everything else, but hey, twenty bucks, ten bucks, it all counts. It all goes into the pot, and uh, I think, uh, and like I said, with Steve and Ron and the rest of the guys that are that are really getting involved in this, uh, I've known those guys for a long time. They you believe me, you're you're safe with them behind the wheel of it. It's uh, it's it's going to be good, and uh, hopefully, like I said, it's it's expensive. The goal is ten thousand um, dollars for the whole web design and the whole nine. Because I mean, there's lots of stuff, videos, and blah blah blah, all added to it. I'm not a computer guy, so I don't know. But um, they're trying, and uh, like I said, I'm going to have Steve on, and he'll he'll talk about all that this Sunday, hopefully. But um, in the meantime, like I said, I'm on the Hockey Podcast Network. Over 55 shows in the network. Whatever, uh, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever uh, team you're a fan of, uh, there's a show for you. Myself, Brad Lee, Terry Ryan were on the original content side of the network. Um, I know Terry just had uh, uh, Biz, Paul Bissonette on. It was a really good interview. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so definitely check that out for my off network friends. Uh, Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. He's a New York Islander based Enforcer podcast. He's had great guests on in the past Mick Fakota, Dean Ewan, Eric Bolton, Jason Strudwick, on and on. Right now, we're in the. He's in the middle of a an epic, the most epic player interview I think ever conducted. Well, I don't think I know uh, with Trevor Gillies. He's in part four, and they've done about three hours an episode, and they cover every every stone is turned over, and it's really it's cool. Trevor gives his firsthand, of course, experience with the the, the famous brawl with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, but just a real uh, a great look back at his career and. Uh, Really gets in the mindset of the enforcer, and uh, you know they didn't get much more intense than Trevor. I mean that dude's so intense. I, I think he makes he makes coffee nervous. That's how intense that cat is. But uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'd like I've I've reached out to Trevor before, and I, I thanked him for doing the interview, and 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 Joe as well, because uh, you know I was always a fan of Trevor Gillies, and uh, so to hear this in depth interview has been really really as a fight fan um, has been a real real cool. It's been really cool. But uh, So I encourage you guys to go check that out. As well as, uh, for all you current hockey fans, the Obey the Puck Show with Dan, Paul, and Kelly, and the Slewfoot Show with Fred and Dave. They cover all the current goings-on in the NHL and women's hockey and the minors and what have you. Um, they're good folks, so that's why I recommend them. And I also appreciate them because I listen to their show, so I don't have to watch. and uh, But yet, I stay in the loop. My finger on the pulse, ear to the ground, and all that stuff. (laughs) But uh, anyway, guys, yeah, Derek and I, uh, we we talked for a long, this interview is a really long interview. I think this episode is probably going to be about three hours. And uh, so, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, again, I thank Derek for coming on. Um, Again, Fourth Line Voice, check me out on Facebook, send me a friends request, Twitter, follow me there, um, as well as on YouTube. Fourth line voice on YouTube, please check it out, subscribe to the channel. I have over twenty five hundred fight videos, including a couple of Derek Reynolds tilts. But definitely check that out. I've got all the uh, all the videos sorted from junior to pro, whatever league you're looking for, type it in the little search thing, boom, it'll come up. And I got some really cool stuff like Colt and Swift Current. I don't know, uh, Wade Belak with the Saskatoon Blades, you know, and some NHL, obviously NHL fights as well, but try to cover it all. I really, uh, but I really kind of focus on the junior and the minors, you know, get the, I mean, all the NHL fights are mostly out there anyway, but the junior and minor league guys, I think they, uh, I'd like to put their stuff up for those guys, so definitely I encourage you guys to go check that out. Like, just recently on Facebook, I put up a John Morasti Kindersley Clipper training camp fight, which is really, you know, some really rare stuff. So, uh, again, I encourage you to check that out. But, uh, yeah, I'll shut my mouth now. Let's get going with Derek, and uh, I will talk to you guys all on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, on the line, we have a former SGHL, BCHL, USHL, college pro, four-year pro, Derek Reynolds. Derek, how are you doing today? Hey, hey,
0: thanks. Doing very well. Thanks for having me on. No, well, it's
2: thank beauty you. Beauty day here. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Down in, uh, where are you? Hick- Hicktown? Hickman? What would you say it was? That's <laughs> <laughs> very, fast. excellent. Hickman, Hickman,
0: Nebraska, just south of Lincoln, Nebraska. We're about 10, 12 miles south of Lincoln proper. And it's, uh, it's just a beautiful day here, mid sixties. And, uh, I'm glad you called to, to get me out of some yard work.
2: Hey, See there we go. It's already see this this uh, this appearance is already paying dividends. Um, well, we're gonna bring you all the way back from Nebraska all the way back to North Battleford. Um, well, we'll start like we will said. We'll timeline your career. And we got obviously you got to start at the beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up? And where'd you play your minor hockey? Oh, great,
0: North Battleford, great town uh, is where I grew up, born and raised. Uh, uh, stayed there until I left to, to play college hockey. Uh, great town. It can be a bit of a gritty town, obviously. Uh, um, yep. grew up, uh, went to St. Mary's High School and we played our, uh, played our youth hockey there for the, you know, Balfour Hockey Association. And it was, uh, it, you know, grew up with a lot of real, real good hockey players, had some good coaches, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, quite a gritty place, uh, to grow up, but, but, uh, you know, I had lots of love and lots of friends, so very thankful for my time. We still go up there. I take the kids up there in the summertime uh, to, to make their connections up there. So, uh, Battleford's a great place. But uh ended up playing uh, my AAA midget hockey there for for uh, Timmy Nelson. Back in the day, played uh, when I was 15 and 16, uh, a couple of years there. And then when I was 17, uh played for Todd, Todd McClellan, in uh, North Battleford. The North Stars still in my hometown and then when I was eighteen stayed there and our coach was uh Glenn Gustav. ended up heading to uh northern Michigan from there, left northern Michigan about halfway through the season and went to the B C Junior League, played for Rick Land and Mark Hollick. Yeah. Out in out of the B C League. Good guy, good guys, good coaches. Uh, we had a real nice team there lost in the league final that season. But anyway, uh in the off-season, before my 20-year-old year, wasn't sure what I was going to do. It's, you know, pondering taking a year in the Western League or, or uh, you know, going back to college. And I had an opportunity to attend camp with my buddy out in Portland, Chris Jacobson. So I went out to Portland and to, was uh, at training camp, got through camp, and we were uh, going to play an exhibition game. But I was getting uh, this call, another offer to play University of Nebraska-Omaha down in the NCAA, a brand-new program coached by Mike Kemp who was a, a wisconsin assistant for 20 years and boy back in the day before cell phones you know i was on the on the pay phone and the rink uh, i think we were in spokane washington waiting in the, we the pre-game skate in the morning and i was chucking quarters in it and wait for phone calls back on a pay phone to to see if they were gonna uh, if they really wanted it to uh, honor a full ride offer and and uh so I think I went through the morning skate and then uh, told Coach Brent Peterson in Portland, such a terrific fellow he is, and uh, he said, oh, totally support your decision, kid, whatever you want to do. And he rented the car and drove me to the airport and uh, caught, a, caught a flight to Nebraska here where I uh, was young enough to play in the USHL for uh, uh, the Lincoln Stars, who were a new team that season. I uh, got to win a Clark Cup here. Um, then I played three years at University of Nebraska-Omaha before moving on to Playing a uh, bit of a suitcase minor pro career, which was okay. Got to see the world. meet a lot of good, good people. Uh, went played in Huntsville, Alabama, which was a terrific town. Um, went out to San Diego, where my older brother is a, is a detective, so that was really neat to go play in front of him. Unfortunately, I got hurt that season. Uh, Put a little bit in uh, El Paso, Wichita, and then uh, ended up in Tulsa and uh and huntsville my last season so it was nice to end up back in a familiar town like huntsville and it was a it was a good run good time but uh i had some uh some other plans beyond hockey and and uh and so it was time to pursue those but uh man it was a good run
2: well we're gonna uh we're gonna break it down we're gonna cover each of those and uh i'm gonna throw i'm gonna hit, i'm gonna hit you some names that you probably haven't thought of in a while and we're gonna get some stories and uh well, let's that go. All good. right. Um, yeah. While well, you were saying, I, I think you had, you had mentioned to me that uh, growing up, um, you were friends with Wade Belak and his dad coached you, right?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, very great, great coach. He well, we coached us a year down. I mean, yeah, Wade Wade was a terrific, he uh, was a good friend of mine all the way through uh, um, adulthood, here into adulthood. We uh, played against each other most of the time growing up, at uh, Balfour, North Balfour, till we got to the Pee Wees, then we... You know, you come to compete with all those good Saskatoon Regina Edmonton teams. We had to combine the teams, the, the South Town and the North Town boys. So, uh, that's when, uh, Wade and I uh, became teammates and we had, we had some uh, real nice teams and Barry was our coach. We had a, we had a heck of a Bantam team back there, back in the center four league. Uh, uh it was a heck of a league back then, but uh, yeah, we had, uh, Barry was a heck of a coach. Wade was a, he was a big, uh, big hombre even back then. Uh, but he was, a gentle, gentle fella. See, he was, uh, wasn't, wasn't yet a fighter. Uh, so we, uh, we had a, we had a real good teams. Greg Schmidt, uh, Chris Jacobson, uh, Now we had this kid on our team. You know, those, those kids that when you're at him, you know, he pulls up to the, pulls up to the rink with his, flicks his dart out as he gets out, kisses his pregnant girlfriend and walks into the rink to play the game. He was from Glassland. His name was Craig he <laughs> He was an awesome guy, man. I haven't talked to him in years, but he was totally totally kidding about the pregnant girlfriend thing by the way but uh, well
2: maybe but yeah you know it, it you know is battleford I, mean. I don't know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you, you're right it is battleford you know he's, in he's a northern guy but what i'm saying he was like 15 you know had yeah he since had a mustache he was about six foot one you know 195 pounds you know and he was like he was a man you know yeah and some of us, he was a second year batter most of us were first year bantams, but we had a real good team we competed uh in that tough, tough league. That was a good league back then. You know, they had the Curtis Browns and, uh, Rhett, Rhett Warren, or, uh, Rhett Gordons and guys like that in Unity, Byron Poole. Uh, they had guys in, uh, in Meadow Lake. They had, uh, you know, um, uh, Jeff Friesen.
1: Uh, yep.
0: A number of really good players. Greg DeCluzza was a good player growing up. Uh, uh Johnny's older brother, Morasby, was a nice little player growing up. Um, so you know, it was just a good league, a good time. Barry was a tough coach. Uh, you know, he was uh you know he taught us never forget our roots. That was his I was just saying when uh when we all left home, uh, to play hockey. He's like, Boys, don't forget where you're from and so that was kinda Barry was a terrific coach. Wade Wade was a great friend and uh and a tough hombre and he's missed by many, that's for sure. Yeah, no,
2: I had the opportunity to meet Wade a few times, he's a really nice guy and uh yeah, that's, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, but um, another another character um, <laughs> and I talked, we talk, we had briefly talked to Jared Dumba and I in the last episode had talked about him. Um oh. <laughs> was Leon DeLorme.
0: Yes, Leon, you know what? I never got a chance to play with Leon. I You know, I got to see his numbers. He was a year behind me in school and a year younger than I was, but growing up we were friends, and we, we would go skate in the outdoor rink. Uh, uh, he, Chris Jacobson and he were classmates at the same school together. And, oh, man, I got – so he was a stand-up – he's a stand-up guy, Leon. Back in the, he, I got a great story for you. We were uh, – my goodness, I think I would have been seventh grade because I was at the, still in elementary school, and those kids were uh, – must have been sixth grade. And we went over. I had a, I had a scheduled tilt uh, at a park in North Battleford, with a kid, a ninth grade kid from uh, junior high, from the junior high. So, on my way over there, I picked up Leon and, and Chris on my bikes because I didn't want to go alone. And we took the track across the hundred street in Battleford and went over to this park and waited for the junior high to get out. So I'm standing there waiting for our little dust up, and all of a sudden across the park walk, you could see about a hundred kids from the junior high walking across. And I stood there and I looked over. Had Leon and a Jake, and I was like, oh shit, if <laughs> you guys want to go, I understand there, you know, or kind of something like that. And those guys stood there and they didn't move. They stood there right by my side. and uh, It was pretty funny. Then actually, the fella came over and we weren't too worried, and I kind of took care of him, and one of his friends wasn't too happy about that. So then I had to scrap another time. So him and I got into it. Another, uh, another fella from the junior high that was a couple years older than me, and I dusted him up pretty good. But by then I was pretty tired, so then a big, a third guy that was a little bit bigger wanted to step in for the third round. And, uh, some of the heavier kids from the school, uh, they're to this day some of my best friends, uh, they stepped in that day and were like, nope, he's tired, two's enough. And I was very thankful for that, good old ND. And I, uh, we hopped on our bikes and I looked and there's Jake and, Jake and Leon. They stood right by my side the whole time, so it was, uh, Leon was a pretty stand up guy, I'll tell you that. And if, uh, if I was ever in a jam, I'd, uh, I'd want him in my corner.
2: There you go. I've actually, that sentiment has been said to me by a few other people as well. So there you go. So, well, by the sounds of it, it's like, were you, uh, I mean, you know, we'll obviously get into your career. I mean, you know, and I mean, you did, you put up points and everything else, but you know, weren't afraid to put up, uh, triple digits and PIMS either. Uh, were you, uh, well, I guess you were, uh, kind of scrappy growing up. Like you were, uh, weren't afraid of, uh, well,
0: yeah. Like I said, we, when I played for Barry, I remember it just, it was just, I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was a bigger kid, like I matured earlier or anything like that, but I was just, I, I really hated the bully. I didn't like, you know, North Ball, North Down first the time was full of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, so I was never, I guess when I was never worried about fighting because there was always two officials or two people there to break it up. I mean, a lot of like the, you know, the experience I just talked to you about, like the, you know, if you're on the wrong end of it, you know, you could be on the wrong end of it in a bad way for quite a while. Uh, You know, um, you know, and I was just never worried, I guess. And I really disliked guys that did stuff that skated around the ice and uh, being the size I was, you know, especially when you got to junior, you know, triple A midget even, I remember, uh, a couple from them, too. You know, you go to hit somebody, and they put an elbow in your ear because they're a couple inches taller, and, you know, the ref looks right at it, and then there's no consequence for it. Well, then, you, you know, you got to handle it yourself. And I just, uh I was always that way. Some of my, uh you know, some of the older guys in front of me coming out of North Balford, Trevor Converse was a guy I really looked up to. He was a nice baseball player, good hockey player, was a pro, one of the tough, you know, Then don't come much tougher than Trevor was. Yeah uh Martin Smith, on the other hand, was another guy I really looked up to, good hockey player, uh, uh heck, you know, one of the most skilled players, you know, around, uh, and then, you know, for as far as the National Hockey League goes or, or the Western League, you know, back in the, you know, I grew up watching Killer Kaminsky and, uh, you know, Dodie Wood was one of my favorite players. Uh, I was back in Seattle playing with a friend of mine from my hometown, uh, Corey Schwab, who uh, is Schwab. He's a goalie coach down in uh, uh, Arizona now the Coyotes, uh, but he won a cup in Jersey, you know, uh, he, so anyway, I was a big, uh, big fan of those guys, just the guys that played kind of on the fringe, that played, uh, you know, uh, Bob Probert obviously was, a, you know, our generation growing up, he was the toughest of the top, plus, scored yep. scored 23rd goals, you know, he did everything, you know, won cups, and so he was probably like my idol, even though I was smaller. Uh, the guys I like to, you know, model myself after at that age, I guess, were, you know, um, you know, Darcy Tucker was a guy I tried to play like, it's funny, him and, our, him and his cousin and I got into it quite a few times in the minor leagues. Um, it just, like I said, I really didn't like guys taking liberties. It wasn't really that I went out a lot and, uh, was like, hey, let's, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm just out here to, to kick your ass today type of thing. Just, it was, you know, I had a long memory. And if you, uh, you know, cross-check me in front of the net, you know, behind the ear or something when, you know, you got away with it in the first period, well, we just scored an empty net goal. And back then they didn't have the, you know, the extra penalty <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the, you know, fighting in the last 10 minutes or whatever. It's probably there because of people like us, as a matter of fact. Uh, but, uh, you know, I remember turning around and asking our coaches, well, hey, uh, it's square up time. Can we go out now? And they would oblige and say, go ahead, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the Saskatchewan League was a tough league, boy. Uh, a lot of tough guys came out of that league and, uh, a lot of good hockey players, especially back, you know, uh, for years past. But, uh, even when I played, you know, guys like Darcy Verreaux, who was a, you know, real honest player, real tough player, real you know, just did all the little things right. Uh um, you know,
2: lots of real good players coming out of the SJ back in the day. So, oh uh, we'll we'll get I'm getting there. Um yeah, uh well, <laughs> did you have um so you play you play your Triple A midget in Battleford and stuff. Um do, uh, I don't was there a I don't think there was a ban draft back then. Were you listed by anybody? Like, did you? Yeah, go, there was
0: a down and Or Was it? There was, it's, yeah, there was the first tie. Yeah, and I was lifted by Swift Current. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I remember my meeting sitting across from good old Graham. Yeah. The oh I to work yeah.
2: For for the, for, the for, for those for those yeah. for those listening, we're talking about Graham James was the coach, obviously, for the Swift Current at that time. And uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry. Continue. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no! I just remember. Yeah, they were. I was uh, lifted by them. From, for you know, a good year and a half and uh, had some ties. I really enjoyed uh, going down there and uh, you know going to camp and meeting a lot of guys. I remember meeting you know, guys like Kimby Daniels and Trent McCleary and uh, uh, Jeff Stamerson's brother and I were about the same age. And so we would chill out, you know, uh, walk around Swift Current, <laughs> you know, uh, together and then uh, 10 camps. So those were kind of neat little times, you know, you're just trying to figure out what you're going to do. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of surreal looking back It uh, it uh, you know what was going on at the time yeah I didn't know about but uh yeah I was always kind of uh not always but realizing the times you know that it was mid-90s and so forth that you know it was a it was time of the big guy you know time of you know Eric Lindros and guys of that size and so I always kind of wanted a backup plan I knew that uh you know uh I had wanted a chance to maybe play in NCAA college I wasn't you know, gonna become a physician or anything, but, uh, I was decent in school and, and, uh, something that I, I, that intrigued me. My father was an American baseball player who was an import up in the old South Sask, uh, major league back in the day, uh, playing for the North Battle for Beavers. So I had some American citizenship and so that was appealing to, to some of the colleges too. So I just, I always kind of knew that that was the route I was gonna go from the time I was probably about, Oh, I don't know, 14 or 15. You know, I, I was hoping for Western League, but by the time I was 15, I would say the writing was in the wall. I wasn't going to be a, you know, over six feet tall and, and, uh, and it was a big boy league, uh, or a big fell league. And if I wasn't going to be a top three round draft pick, then the safe bet was to take some college, get that out of it.
2: No, absolutely. Well, so you roll into North, in the SJ at 93, 94 with the stars. Todd McClellan's the coach. Um, well, before, well uh, yeah I mean everybody obviously um, well okay you just said it obviously but uh yeah you got obviously you got along with Todd
0: well he's just a great coach I mean you know I actually it's funny because he called me when I went I uh, left Northern Michigan the year I was went to Portland and he was in Swift current and wanted me to come down there and I almost like a disappointed parent you know I felt like I had let him down at northern. You know, and I ended up going out to, uh, uh, to Portland instead, not because I didn't think, you know, I actually think Swift are a terrific team that year, uh, more than I wanted to just be with my buddy Jake and go play hockey and then just forget about everything and not, uh, you know, uh, so I kind of felt like I let Todd down, but as far as playing for him, oh man, I got a case of, I don't know if I should share it or not, but yeah, I loved, I loved playing for Todd. He was, uh. A terrific coach. Uh, he he was the one that taught me to to play. Like Barry uh, Belak and Tim Nilson, they instilled you know the work ethic, um, the toughness, uh, stuff like that. Um, uh, basically, stuff uh, those type of attributes in me. They they the skating. Uh, they took you know they preached that type of stuff with me. When I got to Todd, Todd taught me how to play. You know, Todd taught me how to be in the right place at the right time, More really the important, uh, you know, time to get pucks in, pucks out, uh, gray areas of the ice, uh, open areas of the ice, how to get away, uh, from guys when they're, you know, when they when you're in traffic, uh, how to play defense, which is the most, you know, for your net out, uh, stuff like that. So he was the best. He, you know, he taught me how to play. And there was one night, I was 17, oh my gosh. I kind of felt bad about this uh, <laughs> a little bit after, but we were we were playing in Melfort, and I was 17 with a bubble on. And uh, Kendall Sedorik was in net for us. Kendall actually coaches and has a son my uh, that uh, plays with my son down here. He lives in Omaha, Nebraska. So anyway, he's a Spiritwood guy. He was in net for us, and a uh, big fella named Todd Marcus, who I believe was from Saskatoon. There, he was playing for Melfort. And he was a 20 year old, and he was a big dude. Uh, you know, had a lot, of, I actually had a, watched him as, a, when I was playing midget as a 16 year old and really, he's kind of a big fan of his, thought he was a heck of a player. So, uh, we're playing in, in Melford and, and he's driving the net and Todd Marcus is and he loses the puck and he absolutely steamrolls Sidoric. And like sits out there, I, if I remember correctly, we had a female trainer, she was out there with smelling salts, like waking, like, hey, Ken, <laughs> back in the day. and Kendall was, uh, he got up and he actually continued the game, but I was screaming with my bubble on from the bench at the ref. like, How do you not call anything? How, that's garbage. He just ran our goalie. And again, back to what I said before, I just, I, I have a problem with bullies. If you just want to play hockey, I'm great with that. Let's go out and let's just play hockey. But if you want to start running our goalie and doing stuff like that and thinking you can smile and get away with I was, I was ticked right off. But at the time, you know, hey, I'm 17 with a bubble and this guy was at least four or five inches taller and, you know, weighed me by about 30 pounds. So at least, so I was, uh, kind of chirping from the bench and tried, I turned around and, and Todd was chirping the raft, chirping the raft. They got set up and going. And so there was about a four or five minute delay. Well, uh, during that delay, I'm. Had been chirping, chirping, Marcus. You're a loser, blah blah blah. You know, someone's gonna kick your ass, fuck you, blah. Whatever I'm saying to him, and Todd turns after he's done chirping. The referee he goes, Bert, let's go. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, shit. I was just running my mouth. Now I gotta run out here, and I was like, so off the draw. The face off was in our end. There was no penalty to Marcus on the play. I was, you know, that's kind of why everyone was ticked off and. Uh, they won the draw back, and I was in front of the net before the draw. Actually, puck was dropped. I looked at him. I said, "Hey, but you know, we got to fight now." And he looked at me and laughed at me. Kind of said, "Get out of here, kid. You know, kick your ass." And so they won the draw, and I took my stick and I tried to chop his leg in half, about the knee down from the side. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he went down on the knee, and was like, oh. And so I threw my gloves off and unstrapped my bubble, and. And uh, he got about three-quarters way up, and I knew he was a big guy, right? And it's just like, you know, it's just like Steve Johnson, my old coach, used to say, don't fight unless you're mad or scared. And I was a little bit of both at that point. <laughs> so I got got quite a few in uh, real early. And uh, he kind of tried to just kind of get out of it by covering up against the glass. So I was a little mad there, so I kind of grabbed him by the hair a bit and was trying to hit his head up to the glass. And, and uh, they ended up with a nine-minute power play. Off of it, and uh, I got suspended for a couple games. I just remember getting kicked out. And I was sitting in the locker room after the game, and I remember our team at the time had a three goal lead. And after the nine minute power play, the boys did me a good one, and they only let two in. So there you we ended go. up winning the game. Yeah, we won the game. The boys killed her off for me, and I. <laughs> this is Todd came in the locker room after the game. The guys are kind of tapping my dad. You know, I'm sitting down there, and I had half my gear off. And he looked, he starved through the door, and he goes, Bert, <laughs> what, what are you doing? It's like that, so this, this is back in the day again, and he was so, he, he tore a strip off me. He was so bad, and it was a good lesson for me to go, yeah, all right, well, I guess that's now, next time I'll get confirmation of <laughs> what exactly you're wanting, Uh <clears throat> But it was just a funny story. He was uh he was it was pretty intimidating now here come in and, and uh and be as upset as me as he was. But you know, he was always super fair to me. He like I said, he's the one that taught me the game and uh, you know, me taught taught me to go at things like that, maybe a little bit more uh uh classy, shall we say? <laughs> but uh that was uh that was a good time plan for Todd. We had a we had a nice team. We uh we lost to Humboldt uh in seven games in the first round of the playoffs we had some good players back then Dwayne Vandale yeah, oh good yeah. guy He was a, yeah one of our captains Vanner, he's a super guy Vanner was awesome Chris Morgan uh Alberta guy he played at Mercyhurst College down in the States here in Pennsylvania he was a he was a heck of a captain I remember that and guys like uh Sidoric and Tony Borgford he's working down here in the states doing some marketing he was in the nhl uh for quite a few years i'm not sure if he's still doing that but a lot of good guys a lot of
2: good oh guys. yeah like uh well uh joel Koskowski uh kowalski kutikowski and Kuti. yeah jesse wallen yeah uh oh yeah,
0: jesse, yeah jesse, we went golfing last summer jesse's a great guy
2: yeah travis clayton Donnie larner oh yeah there's a
0: oh, <laughs> Donnie larner I still bug him for missing that one time
2: where I set him up with in the playoffs. My goodness. <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was going to say with, with Melfort, you guys had quite the rivalry with them. I mean, you know, they had a tough team, but like Michael Chuck, Randy McQueen, Cam Bristow. Yeah.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. They, yeah. They were intimidating. They were big. And so Cam Bristow again, big and strong. And, uh, yeah, they were, uh, I, but they had a good team too. I think Kevin Dickey was their coach and they were pretty structured and, um, yeah, they were a good team. Uh, again, we, that North Division back then was, uh, you know, the Melford, Nipple, and Flon could be, you know, a, a bit of an intimidating trip when you're 17 years old, <laughs> going into some of those buildings with those big boys. But, uh, like I said before, I, would never, I was never worried about, I mean, you know, we'd go through lineups even all the way up through pro, you know, you'd go up through the lineup be okay, like, hey, who who in their team would be willing in the situation that you know, and just I just wanted to know what hand they threw. You know, I did tell I wanted to know when, and uh I just I know some guys I played with over the years would sweat it, you know, or play you know, or you know, he does this, he does this, you know, I'd be like, you know, I just know there's two guys there to break it up if you're on the wrong end of it, you know, you take one, go down, you know, or whatever. It's 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 much different than Kind of where I grew up in the street, where you're you better be on the right end of it, uh, as far as you know some of the some of the scrap. I mean, on the street, you know, the, yep. the, You had to do with the younger man, and, and so I just never worried about it. I just I I wanted to know which hand they they threw with, and I just you know you always had your head on the swivel. It's funny when you go into those bars with a lot of tough guys. You you sometimes play your honest, tell your best hockey. You're playing honest hockey, and your heads on a swivel, and your uh, you know your senses are on high alert. You know what I mean?
2: Yep. Well, okay. Now, this character, sort of, uh, amongst fight fads and everything, there's, you know, the myth and everybody sees the penalty minute numbers. And I've asked a bunch of people about him and no one can really give me any stories about him. But, um, he played in Humboldt that year and he led the league in penalty minutes with 498. And uh, you eventually, I know you played with him in Langley. Um, mm-hmm. Calvin Crow. Do you have a Do you have a Kelvin Crow story?
0: Oh yeah, I got I got a yeah I got a Kelvin Crow story. I got a real good one actually from that year in playoffs when we lost to Humboldt. So we were both seventeen underagers. He and I, I believe, but he was a heavyweight at seventeen yeah. in the SJHL. And, and so he was he was pretty loose, but he was he was a funny guy. He would sit before the game right up by the benches. Was it the Uniplexer in Humboldt? Is that what they called it? And the benches are right next to each other. And he would come sit in the middle and just kind of hang out with a big smile on his face. Hey guys, what's going on? And he'd chat with him and eat licorice and happy go lucky dude. And you get on the ice and he was just not sound. It was loose. So we're playing Humboldt in the playoffs. Oh, I remember this was crazy. I remember my dad was like hanging off the glass. Poor Derek, Derek Brooks from Metal Lake was in, was in one where he was a little outmatched in this line brawling remember my dad yelling over the glass, Brooksie, you got to stand up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we're winning by, you know, whatever, four or five goals, maybe three, four goals in the third period. And it's uh, it's playoff hockey. Uh, I, like I said, that series went to seven games. I don't remember exactly what the series was at this point. But I remember I stayed, I, you could tell. As soon as he went on the ice, you had to keep your eye because he literally was looking from the minute he stepped on the ice to go with somebody and it's time and so we so he stepped out and i was on the ice and i saw him and i'm like okay don't take your eyes off with where he is like you know it's okay to lose sight of the puck type of deal so i lose sight of you know i'm following him and the puck goes down towards Humboldt zone and then he's fucking skating the other way and I'm like, where is he? What is he doing? So I started following him, skating the opposite direction of the play. And he skates right towards our goalie. Again, Sidorix in that. <laughs> Poor Sid. He's a gritty guy, actually. And he, I didn't get the tie. He skates right up the shit and just whole cocks him. One shot. Bang! <laughs> Sid, he was kind of like Denny Lemieux. He totally played it up. Yard sale. He eh? sticks gloves in the ice. Eh? He's just like, oh. <laughs> And so, I'm first, I'm the, obviously the closest one there, so I throw my shit off, and he throws his stuff off, and we get into it, and we start chucking, we trade a few, eh, and we're it's actually pretty good tilt, eh, it's pretty even here to this point, and we get tied up, and, you know, it ends up, we're both standing, we're tied up pretty good, and the linesman come in there, and he's smiling, he's like, good tilt, ready, good tilt, say, yeah, whatever, good fight, you nutbag, and he goes, and he turns, and he looks at me right in the eyes, and he goes, just like a kid on Christmas morning, Like he was, it was just fine. He goes, Rennie, he goes, where's the line, bro? And I said, really? He goes, let's get in there. And he freaked out and he tried to get away from that ref. And he came out of his, out of his jersey, his shoulder pads, his elbow pads. And I tried to do the same, but I wasn't as big as him. And I don't think I had as many uh, Velcro straps as he did hooked up or something but I couldn't get away from the linesman. He ended up getting me over to the ice and I was tired from fighting. So I ended up getting kicked off and he was dead serious. He didn't have any interest in fighting me anymore. It was just, it's a brawl. It's time to get in there. And he got away from that linesman and he was, that linesman was trying to chase him down. And it was, uh, it was just chaos. He was just loose. I mean, you see, you think now about the times now watching my 13 year old play hockey and then uh, watching the junior hockey down here in the USHL and stuff like that. I mean, my goodness,
2: it would be a travesty for some. Oh, like oh yeah! All right, we're we're back here. Sorry, little take a break here for a sec. But uh, yeah, Kelvin Crow, he's a kid of Christmas for the brawl. I love it.
0: Oh, he was yeah. He was he was excited that that's what he had created, and that was just a total intent when he skated the opposite way of the play and floored the goalie with a thundering right, and got into a good tilt. And now he's like, he was like, "This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing." And uh yeah, he was he was pretty excited. He, just his voice, and he looked at me like you know we had just thrown hands, and he was like, "Ready? Well, let's
1: get in there."
0: <laughs> he, he was super excited.
2: Yeah, well, like I said, you hear so many stories about him, and I think obviously the following year uh, when he's a nip win, I think is when he set the well. Those are the most penalty minutes I'd ever heard of in my life. I think uh I think that's got to be the hockey record. It's like seven hundred and twenty six or whatever he had, and, oh you know, <laughs> you know, so, but I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he played a little bit with the Thunderbirds, Seattle Thunderbirds in the Western League, and he was a, he's a tough dude. Like he could he throw.
0: He just, yeah, he could take a punch, I'll tell you that. Like, yeah. he, you know, he wasn't scared of anybody.
2: Well, I'll ask you, like, did you ever hear, I heard he played in the East Coast League, he played like one year in like Pensacola, he got like 400 minutes, and that was it that he's never played again and somebody had told me it was like i think the east coast league told him like you don't come back like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, it, honestly i'm not kidding like, it wouldn't surprise me one bit no I, I mean he made no bones like like there's a lot of you know i mean tough guys you know they'll find you know a lot of the best of them you know find a way to play a game too and and zero in in their competition when the, you know, the pucks in the corner or what have you, but he made no bones, man. Like when his feet touched the ice, it was time to go now. Like yeah, there was no hockey playing. I was, no. It's time to fight. Yeah. No. No. Zero. Care less if I score. Uh, it's time to go. And that's my job and proud of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I never, yeah, I, I I played against his brother back in the old Central League, uh, yep. but I, yeah, I never, never, uh, I, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he's doing nowadays.
2: Absolutely. Doing
0: well, I mean, well crazy it, hombre.
2: yeah. Well, like you said, the SJ, I mean, you know, there's no shortage of toughness back then. And, um, of course, this year, ninety-three, ninety-four is when LeBrett first got their team. And, uh, of course, uh, Corey Herman, Paul McIver and past guest Carla Nordstrom. I mean, they had a, there yeah, was a, Good friend of mine. He's
0: he's one of the tougher guys you'll run into.
2: Yep. Yeah. So. You know and yeah,
0: he that. was. Uh, this is intimidating. That team. Uh, they had another guy there, Warren Tuffies, in too back in the day. Uh, who else did they have? They, they had a number set year of tough guys. I mean, if you were lucky, you'd get into it with some. You know, with Herman. You know, who was a tough guy himself. You know. Um,
2: but, uh, you know, they just had some really heavy dudes that year. Yeah, and then, of course, one of the teams that was in, down in the States with Minot, the top guns, of course, they had Reed Lowe, former future yeah. NHLer, and uh, uh, Flynn Flan, oh, Curtis Voth. Did you fight Reed Lowe?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we ended up uh, fighting in Minot one night, second period, first shift in Jim Scanlon, the uh, assistant coach at the time for North Dakota, had driven over from Grand Forks to watch me play because they were recruiting me at the time. And I played about, well, I played the first period and then one shift in the second and got kicked off for fighting. And he came up and Reed and I were eating hot dogs together in the stands. And he <laughs> and he was pretty surprised. He said, did you guys just fight? And we were like, yeah, yeah, well, now we're watching the game together. And we're having a couple hot dogs. And Jim thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, Reeves is another tough, tough guy. But just, I mean, honest guys, eh? Like, it's difficult when you play, grow up playing against guys like that and then you go and play at the high levels and you still see. You know, I, I, I bet of all the guys you would mentioned, it'd be tough to find two or three checking from behind penalties in their whole careers. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, everything, was, everything was straight up. Everything was honest. And, uh, um, you know, as you know, with, with hockey today, and, and even back then in certain instances, you know, that's why he had a tough guy was to eliminate some of those dirty plays and and uh, boy without them, you know the game can be can be pretty much more violent than it is with them. I'll tell you that.
2: No, absolutely. Um, actually, a past guest I had on with Waver and it was a tough dude, Dan Kopek Did you ever run into Dan? Oh
0: yeah. I do not. I do not run into him down here. Boy, I no. But did, him did you
2: run into him up there?
0: <laughs> no, not on the ice. Thank goodness, no. No, I didn't do it. I tried, did not run into him, and uh there was another guy in Wavern and it was pretty good. tough, Darcy Rowe there. I was like, yep. I think I scrapped a couple times against Wavern but I didn't think it was against any of those two, thankfully. I must have been picking my cards right. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, most of my tilts, like, again, Darcy, I remember playing against him many times and knowing who he was. I'm thinking, you know, if this guy gets an elbow in the air or if he's running, you know. But, like, it was always, like, it's funny, you know. A lot of times the toughest guys are playing the cleanest game. You yep. know what I mean? And yep. I mean, there wasn't a reason. I, I, I thought guys that were putting an elbow in me or sticking me from behind, cheaping me in front of the net, doing stuff, taking liberties, basically. And if you weren't going to do that, I'm not going to go seek you out and just say, hey, let's go. You know, that wasn't my game. But uh so that's I think that's a big reason. I remember another tough guy that was my size, uh, Brennan Walsh who played in the USHL was had many men fought a lot of tough guys in the American league when he was a pro, he's a Boston cop. Now And he played in the USHL before I me, mean, we played against each other, I think only in college. And someone asked us one time when we were, uh, he was recruiting a player when I coached in the USHL for Lincoln. Uh, and he was coaching at Northeastern in the NCAA. And, and somebody asked us how many times we got into it. And, and it's like it's he, he said, he said, he said, we had bigger fish to fry out there. Um, you know a lot of the a lot of the uh you know the honest smaller the the, the honest players kind of you know uh, really didn't run into each other it was the guys that were you know um thinking they were above the rules of the game i guess that uh that we ended up uh we ended up getting into it with so
2: yep well the the following year you come back and you had a big year 59 games you got 70 points and 392 yeah. minutes of penalties. I mean, so you were really wow. rolling. I, the funniest thing about all that—you get it, 392 minutes of penalties. You don't even lead the league. That's the funny part. Oh I'm close. You know, I didn't
0: think
2: I led my team, did I? You did. Well, I laughed. At your team, though. You guys must have had excellent penalty killers, because you had you guys <laughs> you guys had three guys in the top ten in penalty minutes. It was you, uh, uh, Borgford and uh, Rask, Jeff Rask. Oh.
0: Another tough guy, Rasker. Oh, yep. Shelbrook, boy. He's tough for what? Yeah. Yeah, and then we had other guys, too, like Chris Wildeman was a tough guy. I remember him and, uh, Corey Tran had an epic fight in Nippon one night. Uh, boy, we just smacked each other's heads off. Uh, we, yeah, uh, we had some tough players in North Balford, a tough team, and, uh, we wanted, we wanted it when you came in. that was a tough division. Like you said, Vauther was in, uh, uh, Flin Flon. Yeah. And uh, he's a tough guy. And um, just the whole division was tough. I remember that particular year, (laughs) you know, I was in a struggle too. I was trying all those guys I I told you that were uh, uh, my heroes growing up, you know, uh, Probert and Converse and all those guys. Uh, You know, those were all guys i looked up to and and at the same time you know i also wanted to you know be maybe a pat burbeek type player i like to score goals too i like to i thought i was a good enough player my uncle pulled me aside one time and told me he's like you know what He took me for lunch and he said kid you're tough as nails but he said you're too small to be a tough guy and i took that now that i'm as an adult i view it much differently than i did as a as an 18 year old kid you know uh, he was thinking simply physics over time, wear and tear—you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking at the time, you know, I I can dance with anybody, you know, that that you know, if I need to. And uh, I remember I was leading the league in scoring. Uh, I don't know how many games in we were, but I was also leading the league in pims. And uh, we were playing a uh, a rival of ours, Kindersley. Uh, Kevin Janelle was their coach. And I just remember where a couple of our coaches were going at it. He were yelling at each other in a rivalry game in North Battleford. And one of the coaches, we won't name him by name. We don't want to get anyone into trouble, you know. Uh, things can be nowadays going uh, going into the past. But uh, he, he said basically, well, his exact words were, Bert, go say hello to, to Savard, who happened to be their goaltender. And, uh, no sooner had he said that, that the gate opened and we had chipped the puck off the glass down the ice and it had just rolled on edge and started rolling softly to about the bottom of their circle where (laughs) Savard Savvy had come out to play it. Uh, (laughs) so I continued on my path about, you know, as hard as I could. And I put a shoulder aid in the Savvy and (laughs) and knocked his lid off. Uh, and I remember turning around, I forget who the defenseman was, it might have been Fox, I can't remember, but I remember I hit him the goalie, and I turned around and he looked at me and he was like, oh, shit. And so I threw my stuff off and I grabbed him and I put him against the boards and I kind of gave him a few in the ear, and was like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, you're not out there to hurt anybody, you know, point made. He's not fighting back. I turned around, and we had, all oh, we had Rasker on the ice, and we had, oh, we had all our tough guys on the ice, and we were, like, we had three or four guys that were turtling, and I was just like, oh, shit. I'm going to get into shit for this one. And during, while well, all these fights are going on, this is not a joke, their their trainer was on the ice with the smelling salts during the fight. Like, could you imagine that nowadays? Like, the you know, a fight going on, on the ice, and the trainer's actually walking out in the ice and waking, like, waking the goalie up. So it was, was uh, kind of chaotic and quite a quite a day there. And I remember afterwards being told that I had to take the rap for it. So I did. I said, you know, I'm sorry to the league and wrote a letter of apology and then uh, rode the bus up to the Nipawin-Funfun trip and found out as we pulled into Nipawin. And again, this is before, you know, internet stuff, right? So we had to wait, pulled into Nipawin and found out I was suspended for five games. So, um that put a dent in the scoring lead, uh, <laughs> when I had to take five games, five games off and sit in the stands and eat popcorn. Uh, so I didn't quite regain that, but it was again, it was just a bit of a, you know, just a, an inner struggle of trying to find my way of, you know, not taking shit and riding the edge, but at the same time being an effective player because I could do, you know, I could play penalty kill, power play, and then put the puck in if he needed me to. So it was just, uh, you know, looking back. Maybe I should have put the puck in that and scrapped a little less, but I, I have no regrets. Uh, you know, I'm pretty... Uh, I, I think that anyone that played with me knows that I left it all out there regardless.
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, before we leave the SJ here, I was I was asked by someone. Uh, they wanted me to ask you. Um, your teammate, Yaroslav Obsut? Obsut? Obsut. Yeah. Obsut. yeah. They, wa- they wanted to know, did you kick the shit out of him in practice? And why didn't you if you didn't?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did not kick the shit out of uh, Yarrow at practice. No, uh, I thought Yarrow. I was. Yeah, I thought Yarrow was a pretty good teammate. Actually, uh, he had a bomb for a shot, and he had a cup of coffee during uh, the NHL for a little bit. Uh, he was. I'm not sure if he did or not, but he was a heck of a player. I, I should have might punched him in the mouth though when we were playing Waver in the league finals, and we were up by a goal and up by a game with home ice advantage in game two. And he came around the net and rifled one off the glass instead of just hitting me on the tape where I could carry the puck or maybe chip it out. Their defenseman held it in, chucked it towards the net. It went off Chris Porter, who was standing wide of the net, and in to tie the game. And they scored a shift later to win the game, and then they beat us four games to one. So instead of being up two games to nothing, Yarrow, put that on my tape. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Yarrow was a great player and a great
2: teammate and those were good times and, uh, uh, I don't know why, I, I don't know where that rumor came from. I no, no, not the rumor. That. He wanted, he wanted to, he said, if you, ask him if he ever punched him in the mouth, cause if he did, I'll buy him a beer. Cause this particular individual <laughs> played, he did, he was a team. I
0: don't think I ever did.
2: Well, he With, played.
0: You know what? We should mention Jason Day. He was a tough guy on that team too. Yes. He was another guy that, that uh, had some good tilts, uh, Jason Day. Uh, so were some pretty, Three big boys in the SJ there. That was just a, um, there's some good, good player. Who was the other kid from Melville that, uh, there was another good player. They had a tough team in Melville too. Um, they always used to, um, can't remember right now. We had well, Kevin Rollick on our team. He was a big fella, six foot five.
2: Big heavy guy. Good teams. Oh, Kevin no, there. Yeah, absolutely. No, this, uh, no the guy I was talking about was uh, he was teammates with old uh, Yurislavin Pro and did not like him so it was uh yeah <laughs> he wasn't a fan um, so yeah he uh cute. he wanted me to ask that but uh yeah no uh, what you're saying about uh, Melville while I mean they had uh I'm just looking I'm just looking at their roster Well, Voth, Voth was in Melville that year actually Curtis and then yeah. uh, Dwayne okay. Zinger Dwayne Zinger and Brett Dwayne Clark Zinger, and- yeah brett clark was
0: there heck of a player nhl or brett clark
2: yeah,
0: yes was a player yep. yeah yeah. Super guy, yeah yeah brett clark was a heck of a player yeah, they, it was just a good league at the time i remember just um you know thinking that if i competed well in that league that i'd you know get an opportunity to play in the ncaa and that's what happened
2: well yeah well so yeah let's get into that so the, of course the the next year um you know, you get your ride, and you're in you're in northern Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and you're and you're uh, you know, Dean Seymour, Aaron Kane, for the listeners out there, a few names yep. that you'll know. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, I guess I guess what happened? What, what did you leave for? Well, we ended up. You know, we were actually we had a we had a
0: real young team for the most part. We had like nine freshmen in the lineup, and it was a real real tight knit group of younger guys. And we were a little bit, uh, uh, I wouldn't say alienated, but a little bit, uh, different than maybe some of the older guys. We had, we had our captain was Darcy Dallas. He was, uh, played, uh, in Olds, Alberta. And, um, we didn't really hang out a whole bunch. A lot of the older guys hung out uh, in their group and kids that lived in the dorm, guys that lived in the dorm, we kind of hung out in our own little group. And that's just the way it was. We were kind of a younger team and a lot of young guys and, uh, We, I think we were last place in the WCHA at the time, but myself, I was pretty excited. I I felt positive about the future. I thought it was just still, I really enjoyed my time in Northern, beautiful place, beautiful area of the world, uh, UP of Michigan. And uh, we were out, uh, let's see, I was probably, I think, second or third in team of scoring, five or six goals in in, Christmas time. And. You know, again, we we're playing against some pretty good teams. You know, North Dakota has the Johnson boys, and uh, back, you know, Michigan. I remember playing against Marty Turco and Nett and Michigan State and Hanson Carter. I mean, they're they some really good players back then, and and uh, so I felt pretty positive about the future. And over Christmas break, myself and a few guys, a few of the younger guys, we were with uh, hanging out with a few of the other athletes who happen to be, you know, basketball, volleyball players. My girlfriend at the time happened to be a basketball player. And, uh, we were out, uh, not hanging out with the older guys and one of the older, our captain Darcy had, had, uh, called our coach and, and, uh, mentioned that he didn't really like us not hanging out with the rest of the team and thought we were, uh, partaking in, uh, some of the electric lettuce with some of the other athletes. And so, uh, basically they, uh, our head coach, Rick calmly was also the athletic director and it upon himself to reset his program. And, uh, uh, called six or seven of us in the day after Christmas that we got back after a workout, and met with us one at one at a time. Me being the first one, and told us that he was that he had gotten this information that we were partying a little bit too hard with uh, some of the other athletes, and that he was going to over the Christmas break, and he was going to uh, relieve us of our uh, time with the team and take away our, uh, our athletic scholarships. Um, which was a tough pill to swallow, you know, at the time being a 19 year old kid and that being, you know, what you wanted to do. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back at it, it might, <laughs> might not have helped my hockey career, but it definitely uh, worked out for myself. But, um, so yeah, myself and five or six other guys were kicked off the team. Uh, we, uh, we were all drug tested and uh, none of us were at the time, and, you know, buying bags of, uh, weed or anything like that so to my knowledge all of us passed our drug tests but it didn't really matter when you're the you know when you're the coach you pick your team and uh he was he was done with us and in hindsight i've gotten to meet with and pardon me in, in retrospect i've gotten to meet with the assistant one of the assistant coaches dave shyak uh in years past and got to reminisce about the you know events of the past and and uh, feel at peace with, you know, the fact that they, you know, even the assistant coaches felt that it was a bit of a railroading, a bit of a, you know, a way for the head coach to reset and and, and use that as an excuse to, uh, you know, get the guy, maybe get guys in there that he had wanted uh, different, different personnel or what have you to reset the program. But also at the same time, we, you know, weren't doing ourselves any favors because, you know, there's not all, we weren't all innocent in it either. You know, we were all, we were out with the basketball team and hanging out at parties and there was there marijuana being passed around. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as that warrant by NCAA rules that, the, uh, you know, uh, taking away of the scholarship, I, I don't know that it does, but at the same time as a player, do you want to play for a coach that is going to go to those type of links that to remove you from their team? So uh, that was a bit of was obviously at the time, uh, tough pill to swallow for me, but it, again, uh, it all worked out. Uh, number of us moved on. Uh, Corey Carliner was one of the guys and he moved on to have a great career. He was one of my line mates, terrific player. He was actually a senior. Uh, Bobby Davis moved on to play professional hockey. uh, uh trying to remember, uh, while well, Trevor Rosen, uh, who was my next door neighbor and Bobby, Bobby Davis, his, uh, uh, roommate, he went on to found, uh, country music band country uh country music award-winning band uh old dominion and write songs for blake Van shelton and all types of different uh country stars so he, he worked out all right for for rosie and uh for myself i had to i got to uh i ended up back in the bc league i was going to come back to saskatchewan but i caught wind that my coach at the time knew it was going down and didn't notify me didn't contact me and kind of kept it hush-hush so that he figured he'd get me back for his season and i i wasn't very happy with that so i ventured out west and and wanted to reset and got to go play for ricky Land and mark Hollock who were two terrific guys out in uh out in langley and boy we had a good team there uh, for sure tough team there too guys uh tough league is that uh, bc league just like the sj and a lot of real good guys and it uh it was a good place for me to, to finish that year and to, we played deep into the playoffs, and. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of it was a tough year, but
2: you know what? It ended up okay, and uh,
0: uh, definitely a learning experience for me.
2: Well, yeah, let's talk about the Langley Thunder. So, was was Crow there when you were there?
0: Actually, Calvin was there after I came after Calvin was probably kicked out of the league. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. No, Calvin was there just uh, just left before I came. Okay. Well, so he so I didn't actually get to play any games with him. But I knew he was there obviously and had mutual teammates and had
2: some neat stories. <laughs> well, one of the guys that was there was uh Stephen Pete. I think he was fifteen he, too, oh, wasn't he?
0: Oh my god. A fifty, so yeah, so here I come. I'm out of college, right? And I'm <clears throat> back in the league where there's fighting. And uh You know, I'm I'm a little frustrated about the goings-on. Anyway, new teammates, new league, you know, nobody knows who you are. They might see your minutes, but they don't know who you are. Uh, So, you you were playing against Trail, uh, and I think it was be my second or third game with the team. And, I, you know, I don't know any of these guys. Uh, They're they're good guys, and we're becoming friends, but I'm just getting to know them. We're playing Trail, and again, we're in Langley, and there's there's a line brawl. Like they, they, but you know you remember back in the day right like they were pretty commonplace like yep. one, out, you know, one out of every 8 to 10 games you're going to have a liney. you know what I mean Yep. Uh, so uh, there was a line brawl and we were playing trail and I was on the bench and I saw Petey was out on the ice and all I knew was that Petey wasn't even 16 years old yet he was the kid on the team he was like literally mentally like he was a kid like he's just happy happy to be there happy every day smiling no care in the world and uh he got into it with uh, a guy named Halifax from yep. the trail, who was a 20-year-old who played in the Western League. Shane Halifax. And they were lining yep. up. Yeah, Sean Halifax. That's that his name? Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they, they stood back, and they just they were just traded. And again, this is a line brawl, so theirs wasn't the first one to be broken up. And I was almost... I had a foot over the boards. I think Mark Hollick pulled me back in advance because I thought Petey was going to get killed. So I get pulled in between the benches and I stand back up and I'm like fuck he's gonna and he, Mark Hollick yells at me he'll be fine and he goes and I turned around and watched this fight and I was amazed at how they beat these ever loving shit out of each other and nobody went down it was unbelievable he got off the ice and he had knuckle marks all over his face and a big fat lip and a big smile on his face it was unbelievable tough as nails that guy absolutely tough as nails great teammate too uh hopefully hope he's doing well. I hope he's doing better now. I know uh we've sent him a few
2: messages over the over the years here and I hope he's doing hope he's doing all right. No, absolutely, and uh well another tough guy that you had that went on and played uh in the minors it was a tough dude was uh Andre Skrubko. Oh Shrubber.
0: Yeah, he was well his dad was uh, I believe if I recall correctly, was an Olympian for the Ukraine, a boxer. And he was Shrubber was a tough hombre, yeah. He was a real tough guy and a pretty good player, too, like big, steady defenseman. Uh-huh. Yeah, Shrubber was some tough guys on that team back then. Yep. You know, he, uh, that was a tough. League. We had Brad Wingfield down the down the way in Royal City. Yeah, That was always well, good, always good to meet Winger off the ice and become a friend of his.
2: <laughs> Did you ever rumble with Winger?
0: Never did. No, we, I don't think I ever, you know what, I never did on the X. We played a few times against each other, but no, no, never did. But had a lot of respect for him, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, and then, uh, like you said, of course, you guys lost in the final to Vernon, um, but it, who, you know, Ovington, Blaine McCauley, Dodging Horse, I mean, Chad Kamek. Fred I mean, Dodging Horse,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: They had, they had a tough Chad Kamek, tough guy. Yeah. To
0: go through, the big one was going through uh, Chilliwack that year was the big team to beat. They had uh, Sean Horkoff and, uh, you know, the Peach Brothers. uh, 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 Hogan, they had had some pretty good players uh, in in Chilliwack. Harvey Schmiel was coaching out there, and I remember that was the big... We beat them in seven uh, in the semifinals, and then we were just gassed. We just had nothing left
2: for Vern, and they had a good team. Yeah, well, Chilliwack, of course, their toughness, they had Corey Demosak and... uh, um Surrey, you know, with Kevin Bart, uh, Bartram and Nanaimo, yep. Steve Parsons, and Merritt had Brad Essex, and um, yeah, there were some oh, tough. Yeah.
0: T- well, and who, was the, who did uh, we played in the first round? They had three or four tough guys. Uh, uh, Port or up the up the. uh, up the, uh, uh oh, I can't believe i not thinking of it right now. got to take the ferry up there twice. What Victoria? Um, Pardon me? No, not Victoria, the one up. Then you had to go up the island and take one back to the mainland. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe him. Um, that's what happens when you get hit in the head that many times. You can't remember all the places that you played. Anyway, they had a real tough team. Brad English, I believe, was their captain. Uh, they had another smaller guy like my size. It was a real tough guy. Um, but we had to play them in the first round
2: of playoffs. I mean, that was a pretty gritty series as well. Uh, no, now you got me... Uh... Couchkin Valley, Powell River, Victoria.
0: Powell River. Thank Powell. you, Powell River.
2: Okay.
0: Yep. They had, they had you know, uh, they had a pretty skilled team. And then they had a kid in there, Chad Klein, that played with me in Lincoln the next year. And uh, I got to win a Clark Cup, so that was kind of neat to play against him in the BC League.
2: I think you played with one of the Vandermeer brothers too, didn't you, Joe? Joey, yes. Oh,
0: he's a great guy. Love Joe. Such a good, yeah. Another just an awesome teammate. I mean, just smile on your face every day. Just a great guy. Brandon Newman, the minor. I was uh, spent a little time in the East Coast league with uh, uh, Roanoke and scrapped his brother one night. I remember, and he came up to me after and said, "I told my brother that that they didn't have anyone that they was going to fight him, except maybe you." <laughs> <laughs> I laughed my butt off. I said, "Well, I wish you would have told me your brother was a lefty, Dan uh Joe." That <laughs> so, uh, was pretty funny. Good times. Yeah, D, Joey was a heck of a teammate.
2: Yeah. That's and uh, Well, like you said, the following year, you, now you're off to Lincoln. What made you go down to the USHL?
0: Well, again, you know, it's just a funny work thing, you know, that hockey world. It's a small world, right? And, yep. uh, you know, there was this guy calling me all summer, uh, Mike Kemp, who – was an assistant at uh, Wisconsin for twenty years. Well, the other assistant at Wisconsin during that time uh, was from my hometown, uh, from North Battleford, Pat Ford. And so Pat, uh, you know, knowing my family, I mean, knowing me since birth, basically knew my dad, and, and uh, basically uh, told Kemper that, hey, you know, I, you know, I know the family, know this kid, you know, you know, you're not going to have any, you know. Not going to have any problems with him. You know, he's not a, you know, he's not whatever, you know, um, you might be fearing. So, you know, if you want an upperclassman to come help you start this program in Nebraska Omaha, you might be interested. So, Mike Kemp was calling me all summer, and I had to sit a year out being a transfer, right? So that wasn't interesting to me. So I was going to go, like I said, with my friend Chris and my buddy. Uh, I had a couple buddies. There was Tets too, Joey, Joey and Chris Jacobson, couple buddies. They were friends of mine. They were guys I was familiar with. They were guy like I guys I'd been in battle with, you know what I mean? So they're you know, I they were, I was pretty close to like Jake and still my best friend, you know, one of my best friends and and, and Joey, I mean I just brought a pro sharp off him for my boys, you know, we're still in touch love Joey and so I I was comfortable going out there with them and I didn't want to to do that, to go, you know, city or out. But then I had this guy, Steve Johnson who kept calling me all summer. He said, hey, I, I uh, played in North Dakota with Scotty Koberinski, who's from North Battleford, and Kober says, you're a great guy. I would love to have you down and and this and that. And uh, uh, to to sit your uh, year out, you have a year of junior, you can play here in Lincoln and go to school in Omaha, and that'll count as your year sitting out for school. And I said, well, that's great, but do I have to pay for my school? And he goes, well, we'll see about that. And so, Basically, I, I continued on, like I said, and went to, all the way through camp and all the way uh, up in the exhibition season with Portland, and and was taking calls on a on a payphone in, in Spokane at the rink, and uh, basically in the last twelfth hour, just was like, you know what, I just I got moved. Was just gonna uh, thanked uh, Mr. Peterson for his, you know giving me a shot, and he literally rented a car and took me to the airport, and I flew to Nebraska. And, and it was a crazy thing, you know. I, I, I remember the last phone call with Steve Johnson. Was, you know, with I, I, Both of them, I basically had called Mike and said, Mike, you're going to, you're honor uh, full ride for my final three years. And he said, Yeah, we'll do that for you, Derek. And I said, Okay, well, I'll come play hard for you and I'll graduate. And so I've done both those things for him. And I taught, called Steve and back from the payphone was like, Okay, Steve, I'll come do it, but I'm going to need help, a job or something to help me pay for my year's school. Uh, with uh, with UNO, are you going to be able to do that for me? And he said, I'll call me right back. He called me right back said, yeah, we're doing it. And I literally just got a plane out to, to Nebraska. And I flew into Omaha. And it was late, coming from the West Coast. And I get into uh, Omaha. The next morning, Steve picked me up and drove me to Lincoln here. And it was the first year of the Lincoln Stars in the USHL. It was the first year that the, the franchise. And uh, they didn't even have a rink. they were putting they're putting it together. And so he took me to the building that was going to be a rink, and still to this day is their rink. Uh, it's called the Ice Box now. And I walked in, and they had the state fair was going on, and there was a cow show going on, just like they would be at our fairs up in Saskatchewan. They were they were showing cattle. Yeah. Dirt on the floor. There was not a seat in the building. It was just basically literally a barn. You know, with no seats in it. And I I thought to myself. Oh shit! What have I done? You know, where what what have I done here? Like, I, I just wanted to play hockey. What's going on here? And little did I know, you know, it would uh, it was a decision that changed my life forever uh, in the way that you know uh, we had. Not only did we have a fantastic season that season, um, winning a Clark Cup, met some lifelong buddies, uh, guys that um, our kids still play hockey together, uh, and uh, met my wife, who ended up being from is from Nebraska here, and uh, we to this day still we live just south of lincoln so um it's just funny to look back and reminisce the the feeling at the time of being oh my goodness i where's the door uh you know how do i get out of here yeah feeling like
2: i left the western hockey league for this for cows and no seats yeah
0: they're talking about this guy hosa coming in here and yeah like you know and I just came here and this I'm like, Jesus, you know, what have I done? And, and like, but I tell you what, uh, Steve Johnson was our head coach and Chad, his brother, bless him, missing Chad. Chad passed away a few years ago uh, up in Fargo as a young man. Uh, but uh, they, they were terrific coaches. And to this day, one of the best coaches I had. And that's saying something, you know, I got to play for Todd, obviously, but in college at UNO, we also had David Quinn for three years as our assistant coach. Uh, and now he's with the Rangers, so Quinny knows a thing or two about hockey as well. But uh, Steve also was one of the best, uh, most knowledgeable, best teachers of the game uh, that I had. And uh, we had a tremendous season that year. And, uh, you know, and then for me, <laughs> from a from a scrapping perspective, uh, it was, you know. Well, uh, you had to be picking them off down there. Oh, well, that's what I mean. It was a bit of, I felt like a bit of a bully. Uh, at times, uh, not being a 20 year old, you know, uh, being one of the older, obviously the oldest guys, and he can be in the league, uh, play of the year, obviously against big, strong guys in the NCAA, and and obviously growing up playing against guys like, you know, BLAC and, and, uh, Witt and, uh, you know, all these guys that were, you know, you know, at that time, you know, 20 years old, like, no kidding, BLAC's chucking him in the American League and in the show, and so is Brendan Witt, and I mean, you know, like, so now I'm in the, so it was kind of, you know, it was neat to, you know, there were some big tough guys in there, but I remember one game we were playing uh, in Waterloo, and Barry Smith was their coach, and uh, he did not like me very much. And I caught wind that he, uh, I caught wind that he he offered fifty bucks. Now again, this is back in the mid nineties, so fifty bucks is a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> he offered fifty bucks to the to the first guy on the team that fought me that night. And while, you know, guys taking sticks before the game, somebody told somebody, got back to me. So my first shift happened to be a face-off right outside our blue line. So I lined up on the right wing, and I lined up facing their bench. As they dropped the puck, and I put my stick in Barry's face, and I said, Barry, who do you think wants to get beat up for 50 bucks tonight? And nobody said a word. And so you know, in that league, you know, you do that back in the Western League. You had six guys hopping off the bench, whether they win or lose. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you didn't yeah. do that. That's not allowed here. You know what I mean? You know, even in the SD, like I don't care if I lose. You know, I don't care if Probert does that. There's got to be a consequence, right? You know. And so it was kind of you know, I would do stuff like that. Yeah. Some like I don't think I found out later that a few other guys didn't like playing for him very much, so they were chucking on their gloves a little, <laughs> and laughing a little <laughs> bit at
2: him. So. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I don't. I don't think you're pulling that in Flynn Flon and in LaBrette. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Did yeah. You
0: imagine. <laughs> All right. You know, so yeah. It just matters. Yeah. So there was another time we drank. Uh, there was a melee in front of the net, and no one came my way. So I just took Fargo's water bottle and took a drink out of it. So that's where Colbert was coaching Scotty Cole until the next night. One of their, their tough guys. either a. He's a pretty tough guy. He's not a very big guy, but uh, he's. He's a tough guy, legitimate. Uh, gosh, I should know his name. Some toughness. He played in Omaha the next year, but he was in Fargo that year in 96, 97. And he lined up in the red line and warm up the next night and he said, you know, we got to go, right? And I said, oh yeah, yeah, I understand. And the first period we lined up and he goes, we going now? And I said, no, 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 no. I got to get a goal first. We got, <laughs> I got to score first. We're at home. So I ended up scoring in the second period. And then in the third uh i remember he went out in the ice and i remember yelling at somebody he was a rookie rob kellogg hey rob get over here and he's like well i called him off the ice and took his spot and steve Steve steve's like where's he going what's he doing and then uh him and chad figured it out behind the bench and so then they're like oh okay i see what's going on and we had we had a good tilt of me and that kid and i remember after cobe scotty cobe came up and he said uh he said, "Well, I told him to sit after your fight on his way off to grab the grab your goalie's water bottle and take a drink out of it." And I said, "Did he do it? I didn't see. It. I was already off the ice." He goes, "No. He told me he couldn't find the tracking button." <laughs> so I was like, uh, so I thought that was pretty funny." He was a super solid guy, though Fargo. He's a guy that's from Grand Forks. Uh, gosh, I feel bad. I don't remember his because he's a good friend. Again, getting it in the head sometimes you forget stuff. I think <laughs> Sean Andres. <laughs> Yeah, John andre Tough yeah. Tough guy. Good guy. Tough nail. Tough as nails, too. Like, uh you'd chuck him with anybody, uh, you know. But he was there. I remember he, just the, the fact, though, like, he was, you know, he was 18. You know, I'm 20. You know, I'm just, yeah, I was able to to do certain things in that league. But, again, I'll tell you one thing. My first shift in that league, we were playing Waterloo, and this is why I didn't like that team, is I, I, I didn't have to wear a shield in that league in the USHL twenty, not even a half shield. So really? I wore nothing on my huh. yeah, nothing. And so I, I my first shift in like against Waterloo, they were playing at home, and this kid, uh, Bill Wilkinson, was his dad. I know he's he was the coach at Western at the time, and he had a full cage on. So this kid's nineteen or whatever with a full cage on, right? 18, Mark 19, Mark Junior, w- Mark Wilkinson, yeah. yeah. He's got this full cage on. He passes the puck and I'm going to finish my check and he just turns and cross checks me right in the face. Splits my, splits my chin wide open. I, I almost fell down. I didn't leave my feet, but I was, I turned, I kind of caught my marbles and the ref looked right at me, skated up the ice. And I was like, well, (laughs) all right then. So on my way to the bench, you know, somebody got a baseball swing across the arm and I got a three game suspension. So there is a few thick, you know, there was there was a lot more stick work and a lot more uh, uh, a lot of more of that type of elbowing and getting the sticks high and uh, kind of a cheaper type of deal when I came into that league. than there then I was used to uh, playing in in uh, some of the other leagues and again when you're not a very big guy and you're and you you can have all the numbers and stats in the world but when people see you and you're not and, you know and you're five you know, 5'9", 180 pounds, and, and not 6'2", they're going to, you know, they're going to test you. You're playing into athletes, too, and, you know, I, I guess sometimes you have to make your own room, and, you know, uh, those guys, were they didn't want to
2: drop the gloves a lot, but they'd they, they cross-check you in the face. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, like you said, you guys end up winning the championship, and uh, you're going to school. Now it's off to back to college. And uh, you know at the Nebraska Omaha, and you played the the final three years there. Um, I know in your final year, um, I'm I'm not completely up to here with the college system, but you guys switched divisions or something, right? Didn't you go to a bigger division?
0: Yeah, well, we, well, we became we were no we were independent the first two years.
2: Okay, so we played
0: everybody and anybody. We went up and played Maine, and we went out to Air Force, and we played everybody from different conferences. But we. Basically, in order to, to be eligible for postseason play, we would have had to been in the top 12 national rankings or been able to win a postseason conference tournament. Well, we weren't a member of a conference until my senior year, yeah. which it was kind of neat. We got to play all over and, like I said, play different teams. Uh, but my senior year, we were gearing up for it. We had the best team of the three years I was there, one of the best teams I, I still think in their history um, to this point. Um, some future NHLers on that team uh, my last year Greg, uh, Greg Zanon, uh, Jeff Hogan uh, a lot of minor league players Billy Puglisi was my roommate in San Diego uh, for a little while we had to meet some really good players uh, on that team who played in the CCHA with Michigan Michigan State Ohio State Notre Dame um, Bowling Green um, so we ended up uh, actually funny story playing Northern Michigan my old school in the first round of the playoffs, they had JP VJ and Roger Trudeau, and uh, they had finished pretty high in the league. They had home ice advantage, so all three games had to be played there. So it was an uh, interesting setup for me. I was pretty excited to play them, and we ended up beating them in three games. Uh, all we won game one, lost game two, and one game three. David Nilla, or who else? Jeff Hogan, scored the game winning goal uh, up there at, at Marquette. So that was. Uh, uh, I felt good to shake hands with Rick calmly after the game and tell him good game. And that's all I said to him. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, that was cool. that we had, so they had taken the ice out where we played at the Civic Auditorium in Omaha, thinking that our season was over. Well, we won. So we had, we caught our, uh, uh, jet, a private jet back to Nebraska. And they had to rush because Bowling Green had upset their series. And so now we had finished ahead of the standings in Bowling Green. So now we had a playing game with Bowling Green that we were to host. And the winner would go to the final four for the CCHA at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. So, uh, we played that playing game. We ended up winning Dave, uh, David Brisson, uh, from Quebec, won, scored the, uh, scored the game winning goal. I remember that one. And uh, we went on to the the uh, final four for CCHA. We played Michigan in the first game there, at Joe Louis Arena. That was pretty neat to play Michigan at Joe Louis Arena. Uh, you know, seventeen thousand maize and blue jerseys in there with a few red ones up in the corner. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of so. They had guys like Josh Leinfeld and uh, Mike
2: Comrie and. Uh, uh, to the, the heck's his name? The, oh, the Jeff, Jeff Chilson and Langfeld and Jeb Ortmeier. And...
0: Ortmeier. Oh yeah, Jed was, yeah, he would have been a freshman, Jed. He's an Omaha guy. He's from Omaha, Jed. Yep. Uh, yeah, they had a good team. Uh, Camillary, was he on that team? Yeah, Mike Camillary. Um, so anyway, we ended up uh, beating them in the semifinals there, 7-4 or something like that. We had a real good game. We were playing some good hockey at that time of the year. And I uh, just had some older players, some guys that were 20, 21, 22 years old that had played for a while. So that was neat to do that. And then we ended up uh, running out of gas there in the final. Ryan Miller shut us out. <laughs> if you're gonna get shut out, might as well be right by Ryan Miller. Yeah. Uh, and he shut us out with Michigan State in the final. You know, Adam Hall and and uh, and uh, uh, Sean Horkoff. 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 Yeah. Sean real good guy. He became a friend over the years. He's a heck of a player. What a what a career he had. Uh, terrific player. Um, but they had a real good team there. Uh one of the one of the better who's that defenseman they had. He played in the NHL uh Oh, John Michael Miles. No, John Michael, he was a good player. he was a real good player uh for Michigan State. But this guy was a smaller guy. He played in Florida. See uh, uh heck of a player though. He was an Ontario guy. I remember oh. going to hit him one time.
2: Mike and, we- uh, Mike Weaver.
0: Um, Mike Weaver. Mike Weaver. Oh man. Hardest guy to hit put me on my ass one time. I think I spent the next the rest of the weekend trying to hit him once and he either would brace for it and was ready for it, or he'd move the puck way before he had time to hit him. Like he was just so smart and so good and so strong. He was a terrific player. Yeah. College was a good time. I had, again, Steve Rollick, who's the head coach at Ohio State, was our assistant. Uh, Mike Kemp was our head coach. And uh, David Quinn was our other assistant. And so, again, the beneficiary of you know not just good coaching but world-class coaching you know uh from a young age you know from the d and the and the uh Nilsons to the McClellans and and all these other guys uh David Quinn and them just throughout my life I've been the beneficiary of uh, world-class coaching and I you know credit a lot of my success to that
2: no absolutely well one of the things I'd like to ask you know um you know, obviously, with the college game, you got a full cage, and you know, there's no fighting and all that, and you're, and I mean, obviously, you're coming from the the jungles of Saskatchewan and the BC league and and everything else, and I mean, you know, let's face it, yeah, you, you had a lot of pims, so I mean, it wasn't like you were, uh you know, obviously, you were kind of known for your fighting as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how frustrating? Did you find it frustrating in college that you couldn't fight in oh, full yeah. cages? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Why? Well, it's like. Brandon Walsh said his best guys that used to blow dry my gear going into the corner in junior were headhunting me in college. You know, back to that thing, you know, the reason I fought was, you know, get an elbow to the head or stick in or cheap me a shot. Well, you know, you still get them in college. Now there's no, you know, you basically, like I said, with, with the Mike Weaver, even if you're looking to, you know, put a guy in his ass, there's, you know, if he's smart, it's a tough thing to do. You know, if there's no way to, to drop the gloves and be like, hey, fuck, you're not doing that again. You know that's that's not fucking allowed. There's a consequence for that. You know, uh, it was very very frustrating, and I actually think I pretty much got into one a year just because. Yeah. I think I needed to. Yeah. I, I. You know, I don't know if it shows. I don't think it shows it or not. But I got into one at Air Force. I remember one year. Uh, I got into one in the Inter Squad game one year with my teammates. Uh, we're good buddies, but we were pissed off at each other at that time. Uh, Billy Puglisi and I got into one. And, I don't remember the. I just know I got into one a year, just because <laughs> it was uh, almost sacrilegious coming from where we come from. If so I go the whole year without one,
2: <laughs> well, and uh, you know, and completely, you know, while well, staying on this topic, just in general, um, of course, on social media or whatever, or just in general, the 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 popular take by some of the media or whatever is that college hockey is cleaner because there's no fighting. Oh, absolutely um, not. Wow, that's, I'm like, well, I'm going to hear it from the horse's mouth here. From someone that played both, well, you just answered it. It's not.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's just, here's the deal. Like, it's just, there's got to, you can, there's it's just too tough of a sport to be officiated with just referees. There, there has to be, you know, there's a difference between owies and injuries. And, if, you know, if I'm, if I have an owie because you punched me in the face or because you, you know. Uh, that's different. But if you're sticking your knee out and you blow your knee, you blow my knee, it doesn't matter how tough you are. You're not playing next year. I myself, I, uh, uh, my rook, my, probably segue into the next part here. My uh, second year in the minors, after having a good rookie year, all excited to go play in front of my brother and his new team, bunch of new teammates, and I got my season ended with a hit from behind. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, that's where you, it doesn't matter how tough you are. If you blow your shoulder, if you blow your knee, if you break your neck, you're out. You know. And it's an emotional game. You have weapons in your hands. It's high. You had big men traveling at high rates of speed. It's only a matter, you know, it's a dangerous game. And I would much rather, if you have a problem with something that's going on, you and I squared, I don't care who you are. Again, if it's, you know, and again, I, my fart card will tell this, but, you know, Reed Lowe or, you know, Jason Simon or whoever I had to go, I'd go if I had to, you know, but I would much rather go with you. In scrap than have you be pissed off and hammer me from behind. And the funny thing is the guy that hammered me from behind, I had fought the game before, so he knew I would have lent him again if he wanted. But, you know, you can't do it. when. And so in college and even, you know, just in youth hockey even today in general, you watch because uh, in youth we were dropping our helmets at 14 years old in Bantam and squaring off. I remember. Yeah. And, now, it's just, it, if there's no, the only consequence is you sitting for two and ten, nobody cares. That kid will get over it. But if the consequence is you having to stand up for yourself in front of your mom and dad or your girlfriend or whoever's at the game, your teammates, those that you care about, and man up to the mistake you made, then the game's played with a much different attitude. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's, it's Guys are too fast, and you get um, it's only a matter of time before you'll see. We're going to see, and I, I hope I'm wrong. So, uh, that's that's one thing for sure. I hope I'm wrong. But I think that as time moves forward with college and junior, the way the game's you know, moving away from fighting, you're going to see people with major injuries like, I mean, broken necks, and it's going to become a big deal. That, that this person became a cool. Well, guess what? We've seen that stuff before in Saskatchewan. You know, uh, years ago in the eighties and nineties, it happened in, in the in the Western League. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, you know, you need to clean that stuff up, and it's just too prevalent when there's not a consequence. When the only consequence is sitting in the in your timeout yep. for for two and ten. You know, that's that's just. Uh, and I'll tell you right now that the guys that as we moved on into pro and you know those guys that were pretty cocky in junior got to be pro they were pretty quiet. A lot of, you know, you'd run into guys that were mouthing you in college, and all of a sudden they were pretty quiet. And the guys that you got into it with in in pro and guys that you watched, the heavies that I saw fight my first I remember my first first pro game in uh, in Memphis. It was not my first pro game. It was like I had played the year before in Huntsville, but it was my the start of the season for my first full season. And Sean Byrne and Jason Simon line up with each other. And I was on the ice going, holy oh, fuck, these guys are big. And they teed off, caught each other with a couple, went down, and gave each other a nice pat and, pat in the head. I mean, okay, you all right? Yeah, okay, good. I'm out there to knock you in your ass. I'm out there to prove a point, but I'm you not know, out there to hurt you. The respect level, I guess, what I'm saying, between the players when they do it like that versus players when you start checking from behind, sticking knees out, uh, tomahawking guys with your stick, breaking thumbs, breaking hands with your whacking around with your stick. I mean, the respect level is just much different. Uh, amongst combatants and amongst players.
2: No, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go, folks, you heard it here. It's not just me yelling about it on social media. They're right from the, right from someone who lived it. Well, you know,
0: well, it's, 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 you know, and I, I don't think, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that you know, there's got to be, you know, fighting every game. There doesn't, but there, again, back in, if you want to keep the game clean? If you want to keep it honest, there has to be that outlet. Yep. Um, well, there has and to be a
2: consequence, right? There's got to be a consequence. There
0: has to be a consequence. You're yeah. playing against alpha... All these guys that are out there playing hockey when you get into college, you get into junior pro, they're alpha males. They're the, you know, they're, they've always been, you know, one of the better athletes of their group. They're all popular, whatever. You know, they're alpha males out there running around thinking they can get away with whatever they want. Yep. You know what <laughs> I mean? And if unless there's a consequence, that's beyond, like I said, sitting in your little time out. Um, I think that the the game's going to continue to push the limits of, and you're going to see more and more guys injured from, you know, uh, knee-to-knee hits and, you know, questionable hits, you know, boarding penalties, checking from behind penalties, you know, because you know, there's no one there, you know, because there's no consequence, I guess.
2: Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah.
0: You, know, you got you
2: got Johnny Marassi over there. You
0: got to go after the hammer. You know, the Gillies fella or anybody, any of those young you know, those yeah. guys that come up through you know, just you know there's a there's just a completely different attitude and not only that, just hey, let's go play the game then. Right? Let's go we'll go we'll play hockey. we we'll, you try and put in our net, we'll try and put it in theirs, but you wanna start um pushing the limits, there's gotta be I think it's important and crucial. You look at the teams that are successful in the NHL playoffs now, they're all still pretty heavy.
2: You know? yep yep well there's a reason pat maroon gets picked up at the deadline right and it, uh <laughs> and then yep. look who and then look who wins well there you go
0: back to back years back yeah. to back years and i talked with pat when he was with edmonton uh, my son was down in st louis playing against his son and we had a good conversation at the rink with grandpa maroon too just saying all about that and you know, about the way the game's changing and hey you know pat was saying hey i don't I don't. I'm not good enough to be on the line with McDavid and Drysaddle, but I'm good enough, you know. But I got a spot in front of the net in your power play, you know. Like I, there's still things that I do well at my size and the way I play the game. And man, what a good player! Look, you know what? A, what a great career he's had.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, without a doubt. All right, here we are for uh, part two. We're breaking this up here into two parts. Uh, we're here Sunday Sunday afternoon. With uh, Derek Reynolds. Well, Derek, we finished up your uh, college, and we got your thoughts on college hockey to close out, and uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on to the pro, your pro career, um, which uh, the Huntsville Channel Cats in ninety nine two thousand. You joined them uh, for the last bit of the season, and then into the playoffs. Um, yeah. Well, so you get there and uh just looking at the roster you got Jonathan Dubois and Ken Richardson and Greg Lakovic and and uh all these characters when you when you walk into the room, uh Mitch Mitch Wild Thing Shawara, the whole the whole nine. Uh how Hello, were the, how were the how was the walk into that uh, locker room and now turning pro? Well, it
0: was, it was really neat actually. You know, we had just like I said, uh lost to, to Michigan State Back then, they only had uh, a 12 team national tournament, and I believe we finished ranked 13th. So, had it been the 16 team tournament that it is today, we would have made it in, but it was not. So, we were the odd man out that year for the, nas- for the national tournament. So, basically, I was done playing hockey, and I knew that, you know, I just wanted to go try, uh, you know, play, play some minor pro and take a run at it. There were some guys that, you know, come up through the Central League and and made a name for themselves. One that uh, my coach played with was the name Steve Webb. Uh, played with Steve uh, Chad Johnson played with him in Fort Worth, and he worked himself all the way up from the Central League. He was in the show. Yep. Uh, you know, like The Islanders had him, you know, and just hard-working. And, 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 you know, I remember conversations with Chad Johnson just talking about, hey, you know, he was just a hard-working guy, and he just believed in himself. And, uh, you know, nothing... You know, uh, that was, that was what he was, that was special about him is that he really believed in himself. He believed in his goal that he was going to get himself an opportunity in the NHL and lo and behold, he did. So, you know, hats off to him. And that was kind of the, you know, the roundabout way, you know, with what had gone down in Northern and stuff like that, you know, and probably not, not a lot of teams wanted to touch me with a 10 foot pole at the time, you know, so, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh just, that's just the way it was back then. Uh, as far as, you know, things were coming around with the, with the training side of it and so forth. And, and so uh, it was an opportunity for me to get out of college. In this step, I had a guy that was working for me as an agent that uh, was from Denver, and he had uh, some contacts with Huntsville and sent me down there. And those guys that were awesome, they welcomed me in. And I felt kind of bad because they ended up trading a, uh, a guy that was really liked there. Uh, to, to make room for me, who was, you know, I hadn't even played a pro game yet. So it was kind of, kind of a, a different scene at first. Uh, and, uh, but they all were really good guys. We just, we lost out in five games there at Columbus, unfortunately. But I thought we had a team that was, you know, had a shot of winning it. I think Oak City won it that year. I don't know if I'm correct. I can't, you know, I don't remember for sure. Maybe it was Columbus
2: who beat us, but, uh, in the Indianapolis, know, though, actually. Oh, did they really?
0: With McKenzie and all that? Huh. They were in our division. Yeah. And so anyway, that was, uh, that was a good start though. It was kind of my first fight. I remember I fought the plagger guy from Columbus and very plagger's kid. Uh, yep. it was kind of weak. There, My coach kept telling me that go out and test these other guys, and I'd ask them, and they'd be, come on, man, and I totally got it now that I'm older, right? They were like, it was like the end of the year for them, you know, it's April, they're getting ready for playoffs, so, you know, it's this young, eager kid, and they're like, man, I already fought 30 times this year. Yeah. (laughs) And so, it was kind of a, it was a great experience though, and it worked out, because then the next year I ended up, I wanted to go into the East Coast League, and I was all excited to go to Roanoke, and thought I went there and had done a good camp but it was just a, not a good fit for me there they uh, you know, they played a different style I probably should have been a crossover in Richmond where they had guys like uh, you know the Vandermeer boys and Trevor Sten he's a good old task player I grew up watching in his Nippon days just some, some tougher hombres and uh, they, they really didn't uh, preach that dimension at that place so I was like it might have been a blessing to get out of there because it was a pretty tough division back in the day So I ended up going over to Huntsville again because, you know, I had some some friends that uh, were back for another year. James Patterson was back and uh, Matt Carmichael, a goaltender. So I hopped on the road and drove down the Tennessee Valley there to to Huntsville again. And it was, uh, yeah, it was just beautiful. uh, I just remember Craig Cox being the coach and being happy to have me. And
2: and, uh, I I was excited to be there. So Huntsville is a good town. Well, that was um, okay. So, yeah, so there's kind of a lot here because I know initially you were in Huntsville the year before, obviously with the Channel Cats. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, I think it was change of ownership and everything else because now you're the Huntsville yep. Tornado. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, which I,
0: same division.
2: Yeah, I mean everything's the same, but I think they only lasted a year. I think. Um, is that correct?
0: Yeah, they they switched ownership again, and I don't know what they they call themselves a couple different things, and I'm not sure where they're at now, but. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. We were called the Tornado. We changed from the, the traditional channel cat black and uh, teal and white to um, to red, gray, and white. It was, so it was quite a drastic change in, in uniforms and colors and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it was still the same division and with Memphis and Columbus and Macon and Indianapolis. So, yeah. Uh,
2: still, yeah, still quite a bit of travel, but, uh, yeah, some tough teams in there too well we'll get yeah there's some tough characters that we're going to talk about um but before we well we'll talk about your time we'll talk about Huntsville first uh well first of all just I mean you were obviously there for the little bit the year before and you come back and um uh so you got well I'm going to ask you about Craig Cox but just in general though before we do that uh what was just your impression of hockey in the south
0: well I just I was surprised too. I had played at, at UAH in college, uh, one time. And then, uh, so i played down there actually in the Von Braun Center, uh, before and actually went to a Central League game. Uh, we had some, some guys I knew and some other guys that, uh, had some mutual friends on the Channel Cats back when I was in college. So it was, you know, it wasn't totally new to me, but it was, you know, it was neat to see how excited they were. Uh, they really liked, Obviously, the physical part of the game—that uh, was—that was the most, you know, the most uh, talked about part. Um, was you know sometimes the fighting or the big hits—they really like that. But you know what, we had—I was pretty impressed at the hockey knowledge, particularly in Huntsville. Uh, maybe it's because they have <laughs> a lot of educated folks there. But they, you know, they were uh, old school hockey fans. They knew uh, the history of the sport and and. Uh, a lot of the players that had come up through the minor leagues back in the old days and you know I mean people they knew I remember some, some of the folks I met down there recalled watching Ivan Predator, uh from Saskatchewan back in the day and Ivan was actually the one responsible for getting my father up to uh, play uh, baseball in Saskatchewan uh, crazy story but it. so I mean you know these guys knew people from my hometown that you know that played that were minor league kind of legends or, or players uh, um, you know, and they were way down there in then south. So it was kind of neat to see how, uh, how, you know, educated they were, but, but also excited about the sport. So they, we had, we had a
2: good following. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I'm just like, you know, you have Memphis and Fayetteville and Indianapolis and stuff and Macon and yeah, I mean, um, how often did you, I mean, so you guys were in the East Division. How often did you go to the West with Oklahoma and them?
0: Uh, I think we only went once
2: once a year. Yeah. Pretty much.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe twice. I don't recall if we went. I think we only went out there one time. Yeah. From what I recall. And uh, so we we do the Old Oak City, uh, Wichita, Tulsa swing. Uh, Topeka also had a team back then. Yeah. And then um, uh, Border City had a team
2: as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Border City. Texarkana, yeah. I think they only lasted like 50 games that year, and, and yeah, then folded. They didn't
0: make her. Yeah, they didn't make her. I think we got a couple of their players. Yeah, crazy stuff. That was that was one of the weird things about the week. Was the you know we were lucky. You know, even though the ownership changed hands, and I'm sure there was stuff dealt. Joe so was buying the scenes that were, you know, that were. Uh, I don't know. Let's say irregular. Yeah. Uh, for. The well, guys, I think you know, we always had our paychecks in our stalls, you know, come payday, and um, well, oh, you, you guys, you guys didn't
2: it. have to have a gumball rally to the bank, yeah, uh, to make sure no. We were, no. <laughs> we were
0: lucky in that sense.
2: <laughs> well, I was, uh, you know, one of your teammates in Huntsville that year was uh, you. You briefly mentioned it before was Sean Byrne, and uh, oh, yeah, Byrne. Yeah, well, I've been talking about getting him on the show, and I had sent him a text and said you were coming on. And he said, oh, That's awesome. He's a great guy. We had a lot of fun in Huntsville. Toughest guy under six feet I ever played with. Please tell him I said hi. So,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice of you to say. We, uh, we had, a, we did have some real good times, and, uh, you know, we didn't have, it was a tough division. And Bertie, you know, he was like a big brother out there. Like, he was totally like him. He mean, talked about a guy who doesn't mind chucking down. Old Bernie, man, like he, he, he had, he was like excited to go out and fight the heaviest of the heavy. And, you know, uh, <laughs> he just, he was just an awesome teammate to have. I, uh, I hope to see him again here, here soon. I actually stayed at Bernie's place for, uh, for Wade's wedding back in Calgary. I remember that. They got married out in Banff. That was good times back in the day. Good old Bernie.
2: Well, what a story yeah. with that guy, though. Like, he had played junior, and then all of a sudden he was just bouncing, and he wasn't playing anywhere. And then it's like, oh. And then what was it, like, he went, kind of went to call. He went to, you know, uh, Sate there and, in, like, 97. And then, like, three years later, yeah, I'll go play pro. You know, it's like, well, what?
0: Did you hear the story? Yeah, the story. So Coxie was up there looking at other players. He was up at Cowboys in Calgary. And he meets this guy bouncing named Sean Byrne. And Bernie tells him, yeah, I used to chuck him in the Western League back in the day and starts rattling off the fight, you know, his, his fight card. And Coxie, you know, he, being the great guy, he, he tell the story way better than I do. And he was like, get the fuck out of here. If <laughs> anybody knows Coxie, <laughs> he used to say that's right in his And he goes, you gotta come down and play for me in Huntsville, be my heavyweight. And Bernie, and Bernie told him, well, I'd love to, but I my jaw is just being done being wired shut because he had been sucker punched outside of Cowboys uh, you know a couple of weeks before that and the story he had been sucker punched and he had a few beers and even though his jaw hurt he went home and went to bed and woke up and his face was a size of a bone so he figured he better go and get that taken care of uh, so Bernie was just coming off a broken jaw but still with you know like I said not in any shape to, to fight yet but he, he committed to Coxie and yeah he was down there and he he was our guy all year and you know he was he did the job to a tee and you know one of the best teammates like i said i ever had just a terrific guy and uh like a big brother out there uh you know feel feel a little bit bigger skating around i felt six foot tall when i was around there when i was skating with him
2: <laughs> yeah well like i said i don't uh yeah i want to get him on the show here and uh because i know he has a few stories to tell but um well, another teammate you had, of course, everybody listening knows this character um, is Curtis Voth, and I mean he played briefly there, and then, he, and then I know you guys uh, uh, he came from Tulsa, and then you shipped him to Memphis. But um, what were your uh, memories of uh, Curtis Voth? Another guy,
0: just a, well, he's a Sass guy, you know. I mean, yep. a
2: Saskatoon guy.
0: He's, he's a, just I played midget against them. We were together in junior for a little bit. Because, uh, we, when, uh, we played for Todd, I believe we had his rights for a bit and ended up letting him go to Flintfog. Uh, they traded him up there, I'm not sure how it happened, but, so I had known Water and been, and hung out with him and, and, played against him for, for quite a few years. And so I was excited that he was my teammate because I knew he was tough as nails, eh? Like, he's like one of the hardest hitters. Talk about guys that are, you know, tough under six feet. I don't know if he touched six feet or not, but he fought the toughest of the tough, too. And it was, uh, you know, it was real neat to get to play with him again. And uh, <laughs> uh, he had—he was just a, just a super guy. Stay in touch with him to this day. He's, uh, his youngest son is a good baseball player. Yes, uh, down here, down here in the United States, he is. Yeah, he's a college player right now. I'm not sure where he was at. Where he's at, he might be at Indiana or at a JUCO. I can't remember, but he's—he's you know, he's on his up and up right now, and he's a terrific baseball player. But Wathor was just another guy who was just a great teammate, and he had, he had some
2: terrific stories. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to get him on the show. He's, uh, yeah, I know. I want to get him on here. Um, well, yeah, I wanted to, to
0: ha- ask him about the Pete Arvanita story. Yeah, because that was – Pete was a tough, pretty tough customer. He was, a, he, was a, he was a smaller player, but he was a willing player that played in Oak City back in the day, and he came across curves a couple times too many.
2: And will have to tell you that story. If you can get him on one day, I'll, I'll definitely bring it up. Um, what, I, what was interesting about this, and I didn't realize it until I was kind of going through things, this is right when that documentary Tough Guys was getting made. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: they rode the bus with us quite a bit. <laughs> I was,
2: yeah. Well, I was going to say so because that time that was some real cutting edge shit like, the the behind-the-scenes mic'd-up stuff, like, no one had really kind of... I don't remember... I mean, you know, the NHL, okay, whatever, but, I mean, I don't remember seeing, like, minor league stuff, so, I mean, we were all pumped when we saw it. I mean, this is really cool stuff, but I was going to say, like, having the camera crew around, was that a little different? What was that like?
0: It was. Oh, it was. It was kind of neat, like, they they would literally ride the bus with us, and it was, you know, it was his name, Simon, there who hosted the Amazing Race, so he was pretty familiar to all of us, and Like, they literally rode around with us for months, and it was, you know, so they got to be buddies, like part of the team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, after the game, we're all going to eat together, and, uh, you know, we're just always hanging together at the same hotels, and they were super guys. And I actually remember the night we said we hung out with them, and they were finished filming, and they came out for supper and had some drinks and said goodbye. It was a good old time in Huntsville. It was a great evening, but, yeah, it was pretty – it was neat because they were, they did a lot on, uh, I remember I got, I was mic'd up one night and I got smoked in the Memphis bench. <laughs> 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 the door had opened and I stood up and I was trying to chuck bombs at everybody, throwing them back at me and all of a sudden it took a butt in in the center of the face and it was Don Parsons who, who, who I don't think ever threw his gloves off. He's a heck of a hockey player. And then he ducked in behind everybody else, like Lakovic and them, so. <laughs> I was like, I remember you. I'll get you later. I don't think I ever did.
2: <laughs> I would love to. I would love to have the outtakes from that. Like I'd love to see this footage oh. that never made the show.
0: Oh, that oh, oh. oh, that me too. So would I. Yeah, I'd yeah. be. They, they would have some. They'd have. Oh my god, they must have hours and hours of footage. But um, yeah, a lot of fights because you know, uh, boy. You know, one thing about playing in the South, you know, the first thing, especially in those you know, that league back at that time, you know, in the first period, you know, in any Friday, Saturday night game, you know, there's usually at least three, at least two or three tilts, you know. Um, and then
2: guys go play hockey. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we'll get into who was out there for in a sec here. But, yeah, like, I was just, like, did you guys bust boss balls for being on that show? Like, being kind of the focal point of it?
0: Oh, well, I know we didn't know at the time who was all going to be the focal point because, you know, they had different
2: guys mic'd up through, you know, maybe Curtis knew.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
2: so they didn't really specifically said, say we're here for Curtis Vaughn. No,
0: no, they, they had like they'd mic'd up Bernie and they'd mic up myself and they'd mic'd up Voth uh, 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 or whoever, uh, Tim Chuck, yep. Kieranak you know, both those guys, you know, like we didn't have a, yeah, they, they, it was just different, you know, they would mic up different guys, so maybe the guys that they knew, um, you know, maybe they were just looking for extra footage, I have no idea, but it was, uh so nobody knew until I saw it, you know, and they, they, I thought they, they did a pretty good job, you know, um, just portraying what the life was like, you know. Um, well, yeah, and that was it- everybody's.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, when you watch the show, I mean, Both had a rough season that year, you know, getting into it with the coach yeah. and then getting released and whatever. But I was always surprised, like, did him and Cox get into it? Like, why? Like, you'd think, why would Craig oh, no. Cox trade him? Like, why? I, I don't know what happened. I Cox like, Coxie got along great as, as
0: far as I know. I don't know what happened. I think it was just an opportunity for Curtis. He might have asked to go. Yeah. They might have asked for him. And it might have been an opportunity for him to go to a playoff team that won. So I think he went to Memphis, didn't he?
2: He did, yeah. Like in the
0: in the division. Yeah. Right? So for Coxie to do that, for a player to trade him in the division or let him, you know, do that, it would be a personal favor. He wouldn't just, I'm trading you over here, because, you know, especially a player like Voss. Because, yeah, it was my, it was like, to my knowledge, they got along just fine. I yeah. think it was an opportunity for Curtis to play with a team that had a shot at winning it. Uh, from what I recall,
2: well, another one of your teammates there. He only played the eleven games, and it's and it's such a sad story. And you hear the how unbelievably talented he was, and it was the last oh. stop was Fogarty, wow. Brian Fogarty. Wow! Did you see wow. it too? I can't.
0: I oh wow! I can't. I thought yeah, folks man. Uh, he started the season there. Wow! What a good, What a nice. I mean, what a hard goal. Nice guy. Just man. You know?
2: just, a, just a train wreck he off yes. Yeah, like... Couldn't
0: beat his couldn't beat his demon, eh? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh and yeah, it was uh man, I remember one time who was I what happened? I I think I busted up I busted up something. And you know, it's back in the, you know, early two thousands, so it's they're throwing Viking and I or whatever and I think they threw me, you know, ten Vikings. I had a busted up hand from something. i am um, probably slashing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so I remember coming home from practice and being in quite a bit of pain. Uh, and it was, you know, maybe a day or two after it happened. So I went into my room in the bathroom. and I went to grab stuff and grab uh, a pill for, for the pain and uh, they were gone. And the bottle was flipped upside down. So I was with my roommate. I was like, hey, did you need some of those? And he's like, what are you talking about? He didn't know I was talking about. So then, kind of right away, I was like, oh, we left our door open and somebody else knows where it is. So I went in point blank and I asked him, I said, hey, folks, did did you take my medicine, bud? And he's like, yeah, kid, I needed them. And I was like, okay but next time just ask me instead of coming in and I'll give them to you i because I don't need them <laughs> you know and he's like yeah okay kid and I remember thinking I you know he's such a good guy and such a talented player but I just felt uh you know uh, I felt bad for him at the time even even though he was you know as a younger player and he was a first round guy obviously and you can see his talent too in practice I mean whenever he felt like it if he was you know, if he had a little bit of sleep in him, you know, <laughs> he was a uh, pretty talented guy. Uh, actually, I think I had a couple apples to him that year, maybe one or two, where uh, he kind of came in late and he did him with the tape and it was just off his tape within, you know, one motion, catch gone, bang in the net, you know. He yep. saw flashes It was ability, but just, yeah, it doesn't matter what you are, you know, what your profession is, you know, doctor, lawyer, pro athlete, you know, everyone has their demons that they're fighting and, when someone's, to that point, um, it's it's really,
2: uh, it's sad, it's sad, you want to help them? No, absolutely, and, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that's obviously one of those tragic tales, but, yeah, I've had a couple guys on here that have, that played with him in the minors and stuff, and they were just like, yeah, when the few times, you know, unfortunately, but the few times that he was, like, clear-eyed and and, and there, there was, like, I'm Never seen it. They've never played with anybody that good before. They're like, it's unreal how good the guy was. No, it's, you know, and it's no. just so sad. You know, it's just, yeah. He reminded,
0: he reminded me in that league almost of like Jeff Friesen playing Bantam, like when he'd score what he wanted to. Like, you know, even though it was only 11 games, like you said, like there was one game where he was just like, I you mean, know, he had three or four, maybe two or three points, but he was just like, it was just like, well, who's <laughs> It's a different level. Who's who's this guy out here? He should he shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, with the Mad Amon, Mad boys. Uh you know, he's a
2: terrific player. Uh terrific talent. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well now as you were saying the uh as, as you make your way around the league, uh, you know, kind of your first year as a pro. Oh, I will also bring up, folks. I mean, I know Derek's not going to say it, so I'll say it for him. I mean, you had a hell of a <laughs> year, and you were the Central Hockey League Rookie of the Year. You had 22 goals, 53 oh, yeah. points, 253 minutes of penalties. So you were doing a little bit of everything when you were out there. Um, but.
0: Yeah, that, was, that was a good year. Was, yeah, well. But, yeah. You know, and I just. With that, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking of uh, yeah. I was just I owe a lot of that to Craig, you know, to Cox. He just gave me the opportunity, you know. Granted, we had some injuries, so I had a chance to move up, you know, from a third or second line role uh, and stuff like that. And I've had some real good teammates. Chris George could really put the biscuit in the net. Uh, Igor Bondarev, uh, defense we had, who played for Latvia in the uh, Salt Lake Olympics, uh, he was a terrific, terrific, talented player. Uh, so we had a lot of guys. You know that might have not been known, you uh, know, locally. But we, we had a decent team, and uh, it was just a good season. I, I, that's the, of all the things that happened in hockey, um, that was probably uh, you know one of the things I was most proud of because that that award was voted on by the players, and so uh, to be voted you know that by by uh, your peers is is the biggest compliment. So. It was a good year, but I had a lot of help, a lot of just, uh, through opportunity and just teammates that were, you know, that worked extremely hard and that were very talented. So I was just uh, very fortunate, uh, to be in that situation. And it was always, just, you really need to be recognized, uh, in that role. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a terrific, see, you know, season for me individually. Unfortunately, we had, we had injuries. We lost guys like Fogues and stuff, you know, who were obviously big, big parts of your, your squad. Uh, when you're looking to build at the start of the year, so uh it was just it was a struggle for us at the start, but we were young, and we kept on getting better and better and better as the season went and it actually we missed the playoffs by one game at the end of the year we had, at the end of the year we had to win three games in three nights, uh two on the road, first one being in Fayetteville, which we won, and then we came home and we won against Indianapolis, and we had to play Sunday afternoon again in in Indianapolis. And we ended up losing there by a goal. But I think there was an empty net too. But uh, so we were uh, we were a very competitive team in a tough division with some real good teams. And uh, I just have a lot of fond memories from that year.
2: Well, we're going to talk about how you got 253 penalty minutes because I'm going to start naming some names here. And uh, and like you said, you talked about Memphis and how tough they were. And of course, in the movie, everyone remembers Kevin Holliday. You know, and, yeah. and uh, but of course, they also had Jason Simon and Greg Lakovic. That's insane. <laughs> yeah,
0: and Vosser.
2: Yeah, well yeah, and then they Votter. trade for Vot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. it was I mean it was pretty they were ridiculous. And they had middleweights too, Brian Tucker, who, you know, for me that was like, you know, lesser of the evil from getting into it. I wasn't I wasn't in their league, you know. I, I would like I said before, I would step up, I fought Jason one night because Bernie was out and uh we didn't Timmer was out. We didn't really have. Uh, I guess Dougie might have been dressed, but he wasn't on the ice, and and he kind of went around and was kind of just bullying. Again, back to that bully thing. He was just kind of bullying our team around, and I was like, "Well, somebody's got to do something, or he's just going to skate around all night and push us around." And so, um, you know, I remember just being happy getting to the penalty box, thankful that uh, that it was a, a decent fight, and I and I wasn't hurt. <laughs> he was a big man. I remember after the game author came up to me in the in the he was playing for Memphis at the time and he asked me he goes, Randy, what are you doing man you <laughs> do you seen the size of him and I was like yeah I know i I can do a better job picking but I was like he was you know and to, to his credit uh you know after I got into the scrap with him for the rest of the year he was a total gentleman to me uh chief he had a ton of respect for him he was a, a tough hombre out there
2: Oh, yeah. Well, then, like you said, with Fayetteville, you had Crookshank and uh, uh, Darren McLean. And, uh, but another, the meat grinder, Marty Melnichuk. Marty, love
0: my, total classy, though. Again, back to the, you know, the, the class act of the tough guy, you know, nothing, you know, I don't think you ever saw Marty hit anybody from behind. You know it was time to go it was time to go and it was face up straight up and the, and there was a rule you know the, you, the unwritten rules you know you want to run our tough guys or you want to get rowdy you want to touch our goalie you know certain things that you you had a price to pay but uh, yeah i remember black uh, of too and then uh you know I, he was a teammate of mine in uh huntsville the year before so thankfully i knew lack because he he might have been the you know the toughest of them all down over there who knows but uh Uh, they were just a tough team in memphis and then fayetteville yeah crookshank i had to scrap him i know uh one night in fayetteville so he is a pretty tough kid he's a rookie too at the time just trying to make his way like myself and he ended up having fighting quite a few guys that year um so yeah who else There was uh some other yeah columbus had some pretty tough guys too
2: oh yeah yeah they uh yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Drew Bouchard, and uh, I mean, he led the league in penalty minutes that year. Doug Mann,
0: yeah, he was more, he was more of an agitator than than heavy, I guess. You know, yeah, uh, he was, but he was, yeah, he obviously, I scrapped him yeah, the other one time, and boy, I I tried to do it earlier. And he was such a smart player about when he did it. You know what I mean? He he would do it on his terms and. If there's one thing I learned from playing against him, is that something, you know, I would try and do is do it on your terms. Don't do it every time you're asked. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, he was he was definitely a smart player in that regard. And I know his teammates used to love him. I know a lot of guys had played with him. And, uh, yeah, so Columbus, yeah, I mean, he was there. And I'm trying to think. Well, they, had, they had
2: Chris Schultz, Craig Stahl, Doug Mann. So,
0: Dougie Mann, that's right. And, well, Schultz, I remember going through the lineup the first time we, or one of the first times we played him and that was the difference between like junior and, and, and pro I'll get into that I guess is, like, you know I was like oh is Schultz playing and and he was out for six weeks because Ken Boone had caught him with one and broke his orbital bone it wasn't a bad break as I understand it if, if I recall but I remember thinking wow like, that's the difference between junior and these guys you know like, they go at it and they drill each other uh, you know six, seven, eight times, and guys walk away with a little, you know, cut over their eye or a little bloody nose, and these guys hit each other once or twice, and shit's breaking. You know, cheekbones and jaws and orbital bones. It might have been a jaw, even. It might have just been a jaw bone, like a part of the jaw that, that Boone had broken uh, on Schultz. But I just remember thinking, yep, make sure you
2: make sure you tie up
0: to his elbows until you find out what they throw.
2: Yep. So, yep. Well, I wanted to ask you about uh, of course Indianapolis Um, two of the characters uh, then they're both oddly enough they're both in that documentary uh, was of course Brendan Christian and Mark LaForge Um, well I had I know you listened to the Jason uh, or the Jared Dumba interview and he talks about LaForge in there did you have any run-ins with LaForge? I did uh, as a matter of
0: fact and it was kind of it was weird because you know he—I was just coming back into the zone, uh, their zone, and he was and Somehow, I was in front of him and, uh, and uh, uh, their goalie covered the pocket. I kind of let up, and the whistle went, and he gave one of those short little cross checks in my bottom rib, and I every bit of air left me that could escape me. I was like, <laughs> and I was—I wanted to tell him to fuck off but I was trying to catch my breath, and I was like, why in the fuck did you do that, you know, and so that, like, I was literally sore, and I think it was a, it was a, a back and back, a home and home uh, with Indy, and I told Coxie about it on the bus, like, I could literally barely breathe on the bus, and he goes,
2: who did that,
0: and I told him, <laughs> you know, he goes, he goes, that motherfucker, he goes, you tell... Tomorrow in warm-ups, you line up in the blue line beside on the red line where he stretches out, and you tell him we fucking signed Todd Ewan. <laughs> 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 and so and so, I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, you fucking do it. And I was like, okay. So the next night I line up and I did it, and he, I looked at him, he looks at me, he goes, do well, you want something, kid? And I said, yeah, did you hear 4G? We just signed Todd Ewan. And I felt, oh, instantly I felt terrible. I He put his head down and he looked over at me. He spit his little mouth and He goes, fucking let it die, kid. <laughs> and I was like, yes, sir, I'll let it die. I'll forget about it. Sir, I shouldn't talk. I think my exact words were I shouldn't talk to a, an old veteran like like you like that. And I put my mouth guard in, and he never touched me or talked to me or went near me the rest of the year. Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy story.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and the stories of him, I mean, you know, well, I've been. T- I won't get into him on the air with what I've been told about him, but I mean, uh, right. it just like really, beauty, eh? just, Yeah, oh, it's just like really bitter about the role, though, and like his kind of what happened to him and everything. And I mean, he talks about it in the documentary that he basically just hates it, and you know, whatever. But um, right. but yeah, I know he had been suspended out of a couple leagues, and you know, and he just vicious with his stick, and
0: yeah. Well, that's the thing, like you know, like you can be a top. That's you know, there's your difference to me like it, it, between, like, you asked about some of these guys, you know, from Saskatchewan or Sean Byrne from Alberta. Let's say this, you know, Western kid, just in general, and it's tough to speak in general terms, obviously. But, you know, you don't get, like, Marty Melnichuk is not, you know, I wasn't going to come up and cross-check you in the back from behind in the middle of play unprovoked without, you know, without a reason, at least, you know what I mean? yeah. Whereas some of these other characters, fuck, he wasn't above them, man, and he was one of them.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's how he got suspended out of the leagues, right? I mean, he got baseball swing, uh, who was it, in the yep. OHL, banned for life. Over I think he. Head. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he got banned yeah. from the, I don't want to say these, I think he got banned from the East Coast, but, or whatever. But, yeah, it was just, it was always something stick-related with him, right? And it's just like, yeah. and he's a big enough, tough enough dude, he didn't need to do that cool. shit. You know, and he had, was,
0: you know, you don't need, he was plenty big and plenty tough, but you know, it's funny. He was big and tough, but you know, like sometimes those guys, you know, don't like getting hit in the face, you know, with a punch. True. And so that's what they do. That's why they do that shit. And yeah, he was definitely, you know, I just remember, you know, him doing that to me and just I'll, I'll never forget it and then Coxie <laughs> Coxie on the bus you know I was a little rookie kid you know or this little 23 year old I wasn't a kid but I was 23 years old but he was he was that little motherfucker coming up and doing that to you from behind he was pissed straight off old Coxie <laughs> uh, yeah he was well good, yeah. He was good
2: well the other dude there of course is Brandon Christian um, did you I know he only played the 10 games did you guys play against him at all oh yeah. yeah yeah I
0: played on him on a, on a Sunday afternoon at conseco fieldhouse and was that a was that, I was it was almost comical yeah, like who is this guy like you That's know a- he's gonna get hurt out here almost <laughs> he wasn't the best skater you know what I mean but uh he was a big guy you know what I Again, I don't know, I maybe because I wasn't the heavyweight or maybe I don't I can't remember if him and Bernie I don't know Christian got kicked out of the game that he played. I him and Bernie might even fought from what I, I don't recall. Um but I just remember uh he fell down pretty quick in the fight, uh and and uh I just don't remember who it was. But yeah, I remember playing against him and it was a Contico Fieldhouse on a Sunday, so it was a big crowd there in Indianapolis, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think there was, you know, Fourteen or 15,000 people, and he was all stirred up, you know, his two shifts appeared, he was running around out there, and, you know, back then, you know, six steps to finish your check after the pucks moved, eh, no call. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite comical almost, you know, like, because, you know, like, he wasn't, he was a tough guy, but I'll tell you right now, again, like, he wasn't out there to hurt anybody, you know what I mean? He was almost a... You know, you could tell it was almost like a rush for him or a show for him. You know, like, you know, there were other guys that were much more scary than him. That's for sure. He was it was he was pretty funny. Um, he was he was a big dude though. Anyway.
2: Yeah, he was. Yeah, well, he was like, yeah, he liked to, he was a goalie, but he liked fighting so much he decided to play out. You know, that's how it started. And then he was like, yeah, he bounced around with Johnstown and Wheeling and everything. The Quebec League ended up being the perfect place for him because that would be the show, right? Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah, tailor yeah, made for the show. Big big, big dude with a skullet and oh yeah, here we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect for him, man. Yeah, he
2: bit, he yeah, he, yeah, he was I there know, in the I Quebec know. League for a long time. Yeah. Oh um Well leaving Huntsville. Uh so you have the big year there, yeah, you know, rookie of the year and all that. Um at this point, uh well the next following year you go to San Diego. Um, was that your first pick or did you uh did you want to go to the East Coast or anything?
0: That was my first pick. Uh, you know, Steve Martinson was our head coach there, and he had kind of sold me on, you know, we got a little deal with Hershey, and we'd like to send some guys up there to the American League, and I knew they were going to have another real good team. Yep. The All-Star game the year before was out there, and I was I had a chance to play with uh, Dumba and a few other guys in the in the All-Star game. Uh, I think Dumba was in it. Uh, yep. Anyway. Uh, we, I we, uh, got to play out there, uh, and so I met a few of their players, uh, that had played there. And, and, my brother actually is a detective up in San Diego, all the way from North Battleford, Saskatchewan. He's a, uh, homicide detective out there at the time, uh, was out there. And so I thought, hey, my, my brother's out there. I'd love these nine years older than me. I'd love to go play in front of them. They're going to have a good team. Uh, you know,
2: chance they won it last
0: year, you know, so it was just, for me, it was that was a place I
2: wanted to go, and I. Was well, and it's San Diego. I mean, I could think of worse places in the world to be.
0: Oh right, absolutely. You know, it's a terrific town, and so I was super excited to get out there and, and uh, get started. And boy, we we had a good team. But, Again, that, that team just got bit by the injury bug. I think we had, you know, come January, I think we had something like five or six players on the season-ending IR.
2: Like it was, it was a lot. It was just one of them seasons. Yeah. Well, not only again you have Martinson who is a tough dude and um yeah. I, what a what a coach uh, I mean what success he's had coaching though, unbelievable. I mean Oh yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: I'm like I, I mean
1: Perfect.
2: Yeah, and I mean I don't, you know, I mean, maybe he's just, you know, he's in the East Coast, he's happy where he is, he can run his own show and people leave him alone, maybe that's what he wants, but it's like, this guy's, I'm just looking one, two, three, four, five, six, this guy's won like nine championships, it's like, this guy can't move up? Like, how is he not in the American League, or, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't understand, I mean, I don't know, maybe he's got heat with somebody, I don't know.
0: You know, you know this game, though, there's lots, lots of, you know, there's lots of who, you know, who knows? Oh, exactly. You know, like, that is ridiculous. Steve Johnson, another you know, i'd mentioned him in my junior career like you know i remember he was up for the north dakota job and uh they gave it to an old teammate of his Hackstall, who did really well there and you know then then it moved on to, to whoever was next there gosh he was, he's done a good job too and he's but i mean you know he, i remember him being up for it. I mean, like you know he's won this he's won this and he's done so many good things like what's the guy need to do to get an opportunity so I think, you know, there's never a rhyme or reason, but yeah, he, you know, he obviously knew what he was, knows what he's doing, and he's a heck of a, a recruiter of players and knows how to put a team together. I'll tell you that like how to put a mix of guys together. You know, you don't need 12 goal scorers out there. You don't need 12 playmakers. You don't need, you know, 12 tough guys. You know, you need a mix, you need a mix of guys. You need puck moving defensemen. You know you need uh, big, big defensemen uh, uh, to move the puck out. Everyone needs to be able to skate. You know he he just knows how to put a team together.
2: Yeah, well, and he certainly liked his tough guys because I mean before that they had Wagner out there for years causing shit. But uh, yeah, this God. year, you know, yeah. But then this year they got when you're there they got Ashley Langdon, Clint Cabana, Serge um, You know, again tough team. Sandra Sabroka. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. Yeah, Sandro was pretty tough too. Langdon did did the bulk of it. He fought all the heavy. He was
2: five
0: hundred penalty man. minutes. Yeah. Oh, Kitty him. boy, one of the toughest. He's got, We got some stories. I don't know if we can share them on air or not, but yeah, good old Ashley there. He was. Uh, he he was. He did most of it. Well, Clint obviously he did a lot too. But then his shoulder came out fighting uh, Sasha Lakovic. In Bakersfield. Yeah. So he was on the season ending IR was Quint. Uh, so we lost him. That happened after me. I, uh, I got into it with, uh, uh, Alex Todd from, uh, Fresno and he was a big hombre. We used to call him Shrek because he was such a big fella. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd fought, uh, in San Diego the night before or the week before and then the next night or the next week, pardon me, in San, in, uh, Fresno. You know, I was driving wide, and he was a back checker as a forward, and ended up hitting me from behind, and I blew my shoulder. So I was out for the year as well, uh, eight games in, and that was uh, that was a pretty tough pill for me as well. I was super excited, felt like I was in good shape, had a good camp. Didn't have a whole bunch of, uh, you know, offense to start, but I was out, so I you know, I was playing a third-line role, which was at that time, I or, you know, on any time, uh, you know, I was... I was totally cool with that when you have John Spoltore and, and uh, Dennis Purdy and uh, Mark Wolf and guys like that playing in front of you. I mean, and you're a second year pro. I mean, those guys are, you know, they won championships and, are, uh, you know, some of them, well, all three of those guys probably shouldn't even been in that league, you know? So um, for me, I was totally cool with that third line role. So, you know, uh, just a little bit, it was pretty, pretty uh,
2: tough mentally. Uh, to to have, have that season end that way, um, so yeah. So well, so like the following year, I mean, you end up in El. Pa- like, did you start in El Paso or did you start in Wichita? I started in El
0: Paso. I went okay. back to play
2: for Coxy. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, like, did did you like when did was there any intention of coming back to San Diego? Was it offered to you, or like, did you have any no. heat with the organization not coming back, or like with Martinson or anything?
0: Um, not really heat, I just, I think that we, you know,
2: I decided to go, you know, my separate
0: way, I think that they knew I wasn't really interested in coming all the way back, I have a, I had at the time a girlfriend that I, that was out here going to school, and um, that was not gonna be coming out that way, so I was kind of looking for, uh, maybe something closer, but nothing really popped up, um, so I, yeah, I ended up going, I don't think there was much of a beef, I do recall, uh, yeah, with San Diego, they were, uh, neglecting to pay me a little bit there uh you know I once I left town they were withholding some money yeah uh, for my you know when I was on the IR and I thought that was a pretty shady thing to do that's why I didn't go back there that's exactly that's what I recall and then I ended up
2: getting my money
0: out of them and it was you know washed under the bridge but I, I do recall that that was pretty shady you know waiting for me to leave town and then uh then withholding you know monies that are owed to you so uh, they ended up giving
2: me and it was... Oh, it the, the, cla- the classic greasy minor league move, though.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 You know, it, it, I'm like, I'm victim, you know, 11,181, you know, like that's... it happens. Yeah. Um, So, um, that's why I ended up not going back there. So, uh, I ended up going to El Paso, and uh, that was, you know, where our owner there was just, you know, crazy. You know, I don't know that Craig had... Uh, control of, of, you know, certain things that he wanted to have control of to have us, you know, where he wanted us, but uh, we had played with some really good guys, there. like Tim Chuck was there again, boy, he's a tough guy, yep. um, Jeff Scarf, an OHL guy, he was a really good player, a really good guy, um, yeah, uh, Rhett, Jason Tessier, yeah, Rhett uh, Dudley, oh, Dudley, of course, yeah, Dudley, yeah, good old good old uh, Western boy there from Alberta. Great player uh, back in the day. He was a good defenseman, stay-at-home guy. Yeah, tough guy too. He'd, he'd fight with
2: anybody. Yep. Uh, but so you you only played the fifteen games. So did like Kyle Cox do you a favor and trade you, or did you ask for it? Yeah, he
0: did me. He did me a solid and got me closer to home. Uh, Wichita is you know what three hours, two and a half hours to to uh, maybe three and a half hours to uh, Lincoln here, and this is where uh, my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, so it happened to be a good decision. Uh, she was going to school in Nebraska-Wesley and here at the time, and uh, so I just wanted to be closer and in, in this division if possible, and he me a solid and got me up here.
2: Well, yeah, you. Uh, I know you uh, You rolled through a few coaches that year, Lados and Laxdahl and all them, oh. but... Uh, um, that
0: was heartbreaking. We roll up and I'm all excited to go play for Jimmy Laddish here in Wichita. And he lasted like, I don't know, like two weeks and they canned him. I was like, what the heck? You know, Cox, he's like, yeah, go play for Jimmy. He's a good guy. He's a soft boy. You'll like him. And, and I did. You know, and I think yep. to that point that, you know, the team, Petter and Clayton and, and Dudsey, uh, Jason Duda and then uh, uh, Jeff Petruick and, uh, uh, Travis Clayton, they just, you know, to that point, it had a bit of a rough year for whatever reason. That was a tough division, too, with Oak City and uh, Tulsa and all the teams back in the day, but for whatever reason, they had a tough year that year, and, and so when I got there, I was hoping that, you know, we could we could turn it around, and it, again, you know, it was kind of bit by the injury bug, and uh, uh, but we we grinded it out and ended up, uh, I saw playing hard. We changed coaches, and we had had Laxdahl come in, and he uh, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, yeah, it was a good time, but it was uh, also uh, some tough sledding at times.
2: Did you not get along with Laxtell?
0: Well, I don't mind him at all. I thought he was uh, you know like yeah, I, I thought he was a decent guy, but I thought he was uh, yeah, he would I wouldn't call him on Christmas. Well, yeah. There you go,
2: that, you know Probably. everyone has that. But I mean, uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the teams in your uh, in your division just quickly. Uh, of course, Oklahoma being the big one, um, you know. And there's a couple characters. Uh, well, of course, Dumba and everybody was on that sh- on that. But uh, I got to ask you about uh, you know another Sassboy, boy. Uh, and I know I always say I know he's listening. Uh, Les Borsheim. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, big guy, big tough Les. Yeah, he is, uh, he's he's. I mean, again, one of those dudes you'd rather not. You know. I mean, yeah. If, he, if I had to, you know. He's going to cr- put a cross check in my ear. I guess we'll have to be, but just more, more thing. and again, that code thing again, he's a Saskatchewan boy. You know, if you, if you're going to the net and you put an elbow in his ear, you know, there might be a, something to answer for, but he's just not going to just seek out you know, do, do what LaForge did, do you? No. You know what I mean? It's, it's just not in his, in his genetic code. It was just he's tough and probably a little, you know, probably tougher too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And that's probably why he knew he didn't have to do that stuff. You know, so.
2: But yeah, like they got yo, know, like you said, they got Les and Tyler Fleck back there, and then of course fallow and Dave Shields and you know Dubois, again and all them. Yeah.
0: Doobie and I had to get scrapped my last year in Tulsa. Went all the way around the Nets, Jonathan. he's he was a lefty good guy. I remember he was saying it was uh, six to two and he said we have to put on a show and I said, Come on, Doobie, are you sure we should you don't want to find someone else? And <laughs> he goes, Nope. And I said, "Okay,
2: <laughs> it was good, good old times. We
0: we're old teammates,
2: so yeah, so it didn't look exactly. like
0: it for the next
2: 35, 40 <laughs> seconds. That's for sure. That guy was a that guy's a great player in the Central League.
0: Oh, absolutely. He, you know, I'm a good teammate too. He was
2: a crafty
0: playmaker and a tough. You know, stood up for himself. He was a tough guy. He played in a tough division, and you know, like he played a lot with Mike DeGuerre too. You know, the Goose, uh, yeah." Yeah, I love Goose. One of the best teammates ever. It was our captain there in my last year or the last few games that I played and yeah, you know, when he had Goose out there, I'd be I felt a little bigger too. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Hey, did you ever have any uh any run ins with uh well an Amarillo with uh Neil Pasilico or Screwy Saint Louis?
0: I did not. We nope. did not play them a whole
2: bunch, it didn't see. No,
0: I didn't see any I know I was lucky enough to see some of those guys uh,
2: and Rattray
0: was out there Dave Rattray at one yep. point and he was out there he was another tough no I was uh, I was lucky enough This, this, those must have been the nights we just settled down and played hockey
2: how about was, Dallas uh, Anderson and Tulsa
0: Yeah, big tall fella Yeah. he was a big yeah he was a tough fella um I, I remember Bernie and him I think got into I can't remember who got into it with him oh it was Plummer
2: Aaron Plum playing with us in Wichita yeah the tough guy bc boy yep well i was gonna say and in, just in talking here and and everything with your fights it's it, just looking back i mean uh, i mean we got uh, your final season we'll talk about here shortly but uh who's yeah. your like your toughest fight Ooh, uh toughest in that
0: well i, I do remember uh, we were in in well, as far as, like, the toughest guy I ever fought or, like, the time that I was, like, you know, whoa, I better. The toughest guy, one of the toughest guys I ever fought, like, would probably, you know, Reed Lower or uh, Jason Simon. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Reed was a pretty tough guy. Um, let's see. It was, you know, uh, it's hard to think of, you know, all of them back then, you know, some of the ones, the years past. But uh, But I mean you could just more, like
2: throw out names, right? Like uh, you know when you like in Memphis Riley Cote was there and like Dan Wilfong oh, yeah. and Sprout, Lee Jacobson, Joe, John Murphy, you know, like did you ever have any run ins with these guys? Lego. Did you run into Lago Nope, not even running. We only played them once
0: a year, so most of mine were like with uh you know uh, Brian Tucker, uh Kenny Getz, uh No oh, Kenny uh, Get well
2: <laughs> Kenny Getz, yeah. Yeah, it's a good guy,
0: uh uh let's see uh like I said Simon. I'm trying to just think back b shard uh Kirkshank um so got into with all those guys um there's another tough guy that was uh that I got into a couple of times that played with Marty and Fayetteville he was kind of he was lighter than Marty wasn't but uh him and I went out a few times that year um there was a guy on junior I just I should probably reference this like because I remember I just always remember it well. Is, uh we were winning about, you know, we had a good team that that year. The, as an 18-year-old in that league, uh, the league we played way right in the finals. And we were playing in Flintstone, and the game had gotten out of hand, about six or seven to one. And Foth and Jacobson had flat fought in the second period, and then I remember the coach coming in at the time and saying, uh, "Stay out of the penalty box, guys." Going into the third, and he kind of laughed, and we were all we knew it was coming. We were taping wrists and, putting tough skin on, and we had all our tough guys out for the first shift, Borgford and uh, Wildeman and other, you know. And so I, I lost the face off. I took the drought center ice, and they dumped it in on net, Sidorek again on net, and, and he covered it up, and they came flying in and snowed him. And Borgford gave the guy a little cross check, and I was just kind of floating back into the zone, and all I saw were gloves falling off. And I was like, and I didn't have anybody near me. And I turned and looked and I was like, Holy shit, and it was Jeff Goodhart from Twin who had the week you know, and then we'd all kinda of heard about him he had a good tilt uh, with the big fella there from Humboldt, he would come down for his twenty year old year, Rhett Trombley, And so I, I I knew of him before the game. Again, you know, know, I wasn't scared but I just knew who he was and I was like, Well, here we go. You know, I'm locked up in a line brawl with this guy, oh shit. And it was, uh, it was just, you know, out of, you know, fear and, and, uh, probably sheer fear, you know, just, uh, it was a, just a tough fight. Ours was the last one they broke up. I just remember it being exhausting. I remember taking a few. I remember, uh, giving quite a few as well and got them a few times pretty good and, uh, and, uh split my hand, uh, wide, wide open right on my middle finger knuckle and had to ride all the way home from Swinfoen to North Balfour with my hand up on a pillow with an open wound uh because they didn't want to stitch it uh, because they weren't sure where it was from in case it was from a a tooth Uh, but i just remember that fight in particular just being an absolute war and and it lasted so long because they broke up four other fights before ours and he was just a real strong real tough bell i remember Uh, and uh so that's one of the toughest like you know fights as far as fighting goes uh that was a good one but uh Some of the other ones, you know, when I fought those big fellas, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't the guy that could step in with a guy like Bilak or, or, uh, or some of the taller fellas and grab by the collar. You know, I have to, I'd have to, you know, take a couple work my way and getting the, getting the cuffs and switching hands and stuff like that. And once I did that, you know, I kind of, I kind of made it my, my mission to make an art form of it. And, uh, and uh, that's, you know, it made me, it gave me the ability actually to step up a weight class and, and, uh, every now and then, get into
2: it with some of those heavy hitters were you a jersey guy did you do anything to your jerseys any tear oh, away yeah. sleeves or uh, anything jerseys. tie downs and stuff
0: I did I had a good tie down and I had I like to have loose loose collar or loose uh, arms so I could slip out of it so yes I always had a jersey it was way too big so I could slip out uh, it happened to me a few times Dubois did, did it to me slipped out that, so it was made a pretty good fight but I remember um just more than anything, just, I, I like to manipulate the other guy's Jersey, you know, like if, if, you know, that's why MMA flyers come in and they don't have long sleeves on, you know, um, they, it, it's, uh, it can give you an advantage if you can get, get guys by the inside of their elbows and, and, uh, use, use, you know, you don't have to be stronger that way. Then you can use, uh, just leverage and, and guide punches away and so forth and, and get inside. But, uh, yeah, it was just uh, a different thing, a different way of fighting that uh, I had to do to, to fight the big fellas. I couldn't stand back and grab by the collar. Well, no, absolutely. I could with the uh, smaller guys. The smaller guys than I did. That's why, uh, <laughs> one night in uh, Memphis, uh, with Riley Cote, he he told me he, he used to love watching, uh, uh, myself and Brian Tucker go at it because there was zero defense when him and I went at it. <laughs> You know, no collar grabbing there. We were, just, we were about the same size, so we just like to punch each other's face off.
2: <laughs> well, the uh, the following year, you end up in Tulsa to start the year, and then you uh, yeah. y- you close it out in in uh, uh, well, well back in Huntsville um, in mm-hmm. the what, what was it the uh, Southeast Hockey League but the, the uh
0: seven Pro Hockey League oh, the, the initial now,
2: eh? yes okay. um, the beginning stages of it before we go from Tulsa though I know I've, I've kept you a long time so I won't keep you too much longer but a couple of the names I have to ask you about um, that you played sure. with um, well one briefly he was a former guest of the show he was only there for nine games with Jordan Roach. do you Liberty, remember Jordan Yes
0: oh, Of course he's a North Battleford boy I know Absolutely. yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I used to give Rochi rides to practice. It was, uh, it sucked when he left. Yeah. It was always good to have another Battleford boy around. He he'd you had your back anyway.
2: Yep. Well, you had another, uh, well, another guy that kind of flies under the radar, but I've had a few guests saying <clears throat> that, uh, he could hit, uh, was, uh, Jordan Flodell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I fucked Chloe.
0: That's one of the other guys. See, i forget my fight card. I, a lot of these guys hit me pretty hard, you know.
2: <laughs> well, apparently he so, could well, hit
0: hard. i i just teasing, yeah, he did. Uh, actually, funny story. I was in, a, in uh, I was in Wichita, and you know we were playing Tulsa, and they gotten up on us early. And I was like, "What the hell?" You know, I was new to the division. He came flying across, and I was driving wide, caught me with a pretty good hit, and I did not like it. So I threw my stuff off, and so did he, and we got into pretty fight. And we, uh, we kind of hit hands, and at that time, I. My shoulder came out, my, my right my right shoulder. My arm came actually out in the fight. And, and uh, I didn't realize it right away. And I took the couple and I said, hey, floyd my, my arm's out. And he was cocked and loaded. And he said, well, we'll fall down. <laughs> <laughs> so I fell down and he rolled around on top of me like he was trying to, you know, hurt me or whatever. He, he wasn't. He was, pretty, he was real honest about it. So he, he really could of tagged me. And, uh, it was, it was a good story. That's the type of guy Foley is. He's super honest. And yeah, he was, uh, you know, one of them quiet, tough guys. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Guys, he might not have fought a lot. You know, uh, Greg Schmidt was like that. You know, he didn't fight as much as I did, you know, uh, but when he did, he fought like, um, Ashley Langdon one night in San Diego. Oh, did they go at it? We um, left you know, man. Probably- yeah. Yeah, lefty, Schmidt probably, and I, Langdon was super happy after a fight because it was such a good fight, but you, you might have given the, the, the upper hand in that one <laughs> to Schmidt just on that given night, eh? Uh, he could really chuck him in the foe, he was like that, you know, he didn't fight a bunch, but when he did, look out, you know, uh, he could really, he could really throw a guy around and then throw bombs, like he said, heavy, heavy hands. Yeah, he, real heavy hands. I don't know. It kind of it kind of reminded like your other uh, Marco, Marcos Safala, I remember yep. playing against him with just you know just heavy, heavy hands, and you know if I could if I could steer clear, unless they're going to be running me like that, <laughs> we'll pick somebody else. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Floyd was a good guy, a good teammate. I still stay in touch every
2: now and then with Floyd. Yeah, yeah. There's a. I should get him on the show. I should talk to him. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, you, you should get him on the show. Yeah, I'm going to talk to him on Facebook. I'll see if I can uh, talk him into it. But, uh, yeah, well, you get Mark Scott and Doug Pernack and
0: a few yeah, guys. Dougie, oh, Dougie. Oh, he, one night him and uh, the older Crow brother went at it. Boy, oh, good tilt. Uh, Dougie, Dougie actually got him really good the first time. And so uh, I had to oblige for round two later in the game, which was a little more, a, little, a pretty even fight, but... Uh, yeah. well, how how
2: crazy was that Colorado team, man? I mean, you had Pankowitz oh. and Tobler and Brent Thompson and Phil Crow and Fraser Flippick and yeah,
0: <laughs> right? That was uh that was Stewie, Coach Stewart at the time. You know,
2: terrific coach. You
0: know, from Alberta back in the day, and and he, you know, he had that tough team. Yeah, I remember. So I remember going to the Tulsa, and I don't even know if Scotty was dressed. I remember Scotty fought Thompson in Tulsa. But then we were going in there and like Iggy, Igor Bondarev was on that team. So a good friend of mine, an old teammate. And, and I was like, geez, Iggy, you guys got anybody, <laughs> anybody not dressed tonight? And you know, like you said with Panklitz and Thompson and Crow and Philippic, and you know, we didn't have a heavy team at all that year in Tulsa. Um, but, uh, no, it was, uh, there,
2: it was a hard fought game. I think we lost that game in a shootout, but
0: uh, yeah, they definitely have a tough team out there.
2: Well, with that I noticed that that season. I mean, uh, I mean overall. Well, I mean, other than your one year in Huntsville, I mean, you were never a really big PIM guy. But you only you played forty two games. You had fifty four minutes. At this point, was fighting sort of like I'm kind of getting too old. I don't really want to do this anymore. Or you know, no,
0: no, there's never that. It was so at the end. So in like I said in Wichita, there my shoulder had come out, and so I had off season shoulder surgery on my right arm for the third time. So I've had, uh, you know, three shoulder operations at that time on my right shoulder, one and two bank cart complete reconstructions, along with the other shoulder that I blew in San Diego, which was a complete bank cart reconstruction. So I'd had four shoulder operations, um, you know, in a matter of, you know, six years, five, six years. And I was like, you know, the writing on the wall is starting to come through. It's not looking like I'm going to get the opportunity, like, you know, um, I would might have hoped uh you know and so I really couldn't I couldn't do the things that I used to do you know like just fighting wise I could you know my arms were coming my shoulders were were at the time just not good and needed more time to heal and so because of that you know I, I just wasn't the same player and I knew you know um I knew that it was probably you know my my wife wanted to uh, pursue other stuff with her career and I was all gung, gung-ho and helping uh, support her since she had been supporting me and in, in, in what I would wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, the writing was kind of on the wall. I wasn't disinterested by any means. Like I said, that year with Joe, you know, that's the year I fought uh, Doobie in Oak City. We had a good scrap. I just did less of it because I wasn't, uh, I don't think I played on the edge because I didn't think I could back it up. You know what I mean? I didn't think, you know, I wasn't one of those guys to run you in the corner and then she asked me to go and then I was like, wow, geez, you know, <laughs> not healthy right now, just, you know, give me a, you know, give me yeah. a brain check. We'll go in a few weeks. So I just, I just wasn't that type of guy. So if I couldn't do the things I could do, you know, physically anymore, I was just ready. I was at peace with it. And, you know, they, they told me after my last shoulder surgery in the right, they, when I went to Tulsa, they were like, you know, you should probably just be done. And I told, you know, uh, the surgeon that, you know, I, I just wanted to be done on my terms. I wanted to be done, um, When, you know, I wanted to go out standing up, I didn't want to go out with, you know, Uh, so I did, I got an opportunity, like you said, to go to that Southern Pro League and and play with Goose and play with a few other guys and and win a little championship there and win my last game and kind of at least walk off in a little bit of style, you know.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's a, it was the beginnings. It was the first year of the kind of the Southern Pro. It was a four team league. Uh, yourself, Knoxville, Cape, the Cape Fear Fire Ants, and Winston Salem, and uh, you know, yeah, you guys yeah. end up winning the championship. So, I mean, any hey, championship and anything is the reason for playing, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's right. a hell, hell of a way to go out. And uh, but one of your a couple of your teammates, well, like you said, Goose, and another character from there, a, a BC kid, uh, Luke Phillips,
0: Lukey love Lukey. I mean, talk about another guy that just, boy, under six feet tall, it was just tough as nails and just a great, terrific teammate. Uh, yeah, he was...
2: <laughs> he's got some great stories. You should get him on. Yeah, well, he did my friend Alex show, uh, Five for Fighting. It was a really good interview and, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say that there's some similarities with him and you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I think he fought a lot of the same style, too. Yep. You know what I mean? And he, he was just fearless, and again, like you know, just to know, you know, I mean, when you're out there trying to score goals and win games, and to know you got a guy like that that you know if stuff goes down, he's right right beside you. like Yeah, you're playing against tough guys, you know. But uh, when you know you got guys like that that are playing, you know, they got your back and they're wingman. It it's, uh, definitely makes you more comfortable out there and more confident in what you're trying to accomplish.
2: Well, absolutely. Well, there, like you said, you win the championship and you 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 rode off into the sunset. Well, man, that was uh, that was that was cool to go down the the playing career with you. But then for the following two years, you head back home and you're in Lincoln and you're the assistant coach in the USHL with the Lincoln Stars. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say a couple yeah. a couple of the names I want to throw at you. I mean, yet a few guys make it <laughs> to the NHL, but of course, is uh, Brandon yeah. Boliek and Jared Bull. Yes. Yeah. My boy, <laughs> yeah, love
0: those kids. They're uh, both terrific guys to, to coach. I, I coached, had the opportunity to coach uh, Jared here in Lincoln for a year, and just to talk. He was a terrific captain and a good teammate. Uh, he was he was a, he had a great pro career, fought all the tough guys in the NHL, and he wasn't the biggest guy. He just he had the biggest heart. Uh, that's for sure. And he was a good hockey player too. He could really snap it. Could really shoot the puck. Uh, he was he was just a a great kid and uh, he, was, he was a treat to coach and on the other hand Brandon we got to go we got to know very well also with uh, he was a kid I was recruiting out of uh, St. Louis and Basil McCray was coaching him up in Toronto when I was recruiting him and Basil told me he was a lefty and he goes watch all these kids are going to avoid him out here <laughs> and I said come on Basil are you kidding me and he goes yeah, watch watch and sure as guns Within about 10 seconds, there was a play in front of the net where he whacked away about three times and banged home a rebound for a goal. And nobody, nobody laid a finger on him as he was laying there whacking the puck. And I was like, no kidding. And he was, yeah, tough as nails. And so we got to know, we, we drafted Brandon and got to, got him here in Lincoln. And he had a real nice junior career and tried to call it drinks for a little bit, but he was more of a pro style player, obviously. And what a career he had winning himself a cup in, in Chicago. And he was just a terrific kid. The St. Louis guy, my, my boys go back now to his home rink in, in St. Pete's, which is uh, in St. Louis. And I send him, send him text messages every now and then with his picture hanging in the rink. And uh, he's just a terrific kid, and and uh, I wish him well. I, I He's doing really well right now in his post-hockey career.
2: Yeah, when you when you see guys like that, I mean, um, you know, he was a... But a guy like Jared Bull, for instance, I mean, you know, he went on and, um, you know, of course, from from you guys, he went to the, uh, um, the o. You know, up to the OHL. <clears throat> um, um, did you see it in him? Like, that? did you see that he was going to have a I mean, it's always hard to say, oh, this guy's going to play 600 games in the NHL. But I mean, just in terms of that role as an enforcer, did you see that out of him?
0: You know, I don't know. I, you know, as an enforcer, I don't know if we saw that role. I think you saw more of like a, a you know, a middleweight role, like a guy that was... But he, you know, he was the toughest guy, I, I thought, in the league when he played in the USHL. And when he was in Plymouth, he would call me every now and then. And uh, I remember he called after he lost his first fight up there. And, and he was like, yeah, I kind of took my lunch tonight. And I was like, you know what, buddy? That doesn't happen very often. And, you know, you just learn from it. And And he was just such a... You know, after, I I think once he went on to Plymouth, then you saw how good he was doing there. And like some of the guys he was taking on there, you were like, geez, you know, he's even tougher than we thought he was. He was almost like Gumby, though, like the way he could contort his body, you know, to get his arm out of a hole or to sneak it out of the jersey or to, you know, he'd be pinned against the glass and he'd sneak out of it. He was just a, a, a long, slender, strong fella and just a real dynamic. They're not a like hockey player. He's, he's, you know, he was a uh, better hockey player, than I think he may have even had a chance to show when he was in the league. Did you
2: ever watch a fight? And then when he did did a move, you're like, "Yeah, I showed him that." That's the old Derek Reynolds special. <laughs> Do you ever say that to anybody? <laughs> uh,
0: I, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, I might have said that. You know, I I might. Have I might have said that to, you know, some of those guys that, hey, I pointed out to them the importance of when you're uh, in it with somebody like Bugart, who's got you by seven inches, you can't grab them by the front of the collar and stand back. You might want to grab a little bit lower down on the arm there so you don't get strung out. But yeah, you know, we did go over a lot of things, you know, and and. You know, I was just passing down stuff that I was taught by, you know... Of course. Like ...the guys I've met earlier, like, you know, Trevor Converse or, uh, you know, some of the guys I played with uh, that were older than me, you know, Chris Morgan or Dwayne Vandale, guys I played with when I was super young, Wade Belak and, and Schmitty. We used to have those cage rages. <laughs> yep. After practice, you know, drop one glove and we would, you know, and that's how we learned, uh, you know, to grab or we you know how to survive. And, and um, yeah, it was a different different time different
2: well you gotta era. you pass it down right and it just uh yeah and I, and I guarantee jared Bull probably showed somebody right so oh
0: yeah for sure
2: yep yeah. no absolutely and you
0: know he did you know and too, uh, there was one day i guess there was uh a little lefty move i, I showed i showed uh, brandon i don't know if he ever moved i think he used it one time and i might have mentioned something when the when he was playing in calgary
2: ah <laughs> uh, there you <laughs> go
0: yeah yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty neat. I think I was watching with my boy. So it was just, it was just my boy and I, nobody else.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, just uh, just to kind of wrap it up, well, we'll come full circle. I mean, so as you're coaching there, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, one final question. When you're, you know, you're down there working in the USHL for those couple of years, you know, it had been 10 years removed since you had been playing there. How had the league changed?
0: Well, you got more high. It definitely changed. You know, we, we had a few NHLers play uh, when, when we were in the league, guys that went on to win cups, like Mark Eaton, uh, who was in Waterloo at the time. Um, but all of a sudden you had, you know, your first, second, third round picks that were in the league. And it became more of a tier one, more of a high-end league. I think you had, you know, comparatively to, to guys that when I was growing up, they were first round picks, Brown, Friesen, uh, Belak. You had more of those guys in the USHL now than you did ten years prior. Those guys might have been, you know, in the Ontario League or where have you, uh, you know, the Western League in the in years past. But now they're staying home in the USHL, and so there was just a higher higher end brand of hockey. Uh, it's a real good league right now. You, you know, ninety ninety nine percent of those kids go Division One college. Uh, most of them have scholarships before they even step on the ice as a USHL player. I would bet uh, like half of them, um, so it's a it's a good league. And it just, the difference was that it was just much more high end. Uh, we had we had some good players, don't get me wrong, uh, but just we we didn't have a whole lot of first round draft picks.
2: Yeah, well, when you go to the games now and you're kind of sitting there watching, do you ever do you ever have the back in the day moment? But or uh, is it kind of like uh, it's a little too quick for me? <laughs>
0: Oh, no, I was back in a day moment, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, because back in the day, I mean, you know, guys like us, you know, I, at my side, you know, I'd be flying down the wing and you get hooked all the way down the ice trying to get free even though you had to step on a guy, you know. So there's certain things. Good players are good players whenever they're playing against their peers and yep. I know when the rules are all, you know, uniform. And I, I, I would have liked a chance to play in today's game. I'm happy to see my boys grow up in today's game. Um they have to make sure they keep fighting in the game so that it remains pleased by the players. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do, you know, I do think I might have had an extra goal or two, you know, playing today's rules.
2: <laughs> oh, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, I was going to, well, you listen, you listened to the Jumbo interview, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, when he was talking that he was glad he played when he did. Like, he liked the hooking and holding and everything and slowing it up and all that did you do you agree with that or would you rather have it the new the with without center ice and stuff
0: oh I, I you know what I just i like do I also like the the way that we played it uh I didn't mind it I mean that's all I knew uh yeah I think that today it, it's tougher to play defense I think you know they they don't you know things that were good defensive plays like you know when a guy's body position on you but you quickly lift their stick from mine to take a puck I mean there's many times today where just because based on their body position, you know, that's a penalty. But, you know, part of the skill of hockey is the way you handle that stick. And so if you're beat, but you can still legally lift the stick and take a puck, I don't know, you know. So, yeah, I, I think today's game can be a lot more frustrating, a lot more built on special teams. Um So I was pretty happy with the era we got to play in. You know, I, I had no aggressor, no qualms about it at all
2: excellent well there we go there's the uh, the story from Battleford to uh, from Battleford to Lincoln and a few stops in between that was uh, <laughs> that was a hell of a ride man I really I definitely uh, appreciate you coming on the show today and, and uh, for the last couple days taking up your I've taken up your weekend uh, telling stories I really appreciate it
0: yeah well I really appreciate uh, you having me on like we said we've, we've listened to a number of episodes and uh, it's just that we really appreciate what you're doing and and I feel really honored to come and share the story uh, I was just very fortunate like I said to have a number of of really good teammates and really good coaches over the year and uh, to this day those are those are my best friends and uh, and uh, I appreciate you uh, having me come on and share it with you
2: Oh, it was my pleasure is all mine and uh yeah, I might have to tap the uh Derek Reynolds uh, uh cell phone contacts. We might have to get a few guys on here telling stories. Maybe they got some Reynolds yeah, they stories can they can tell.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. A good
2: idea. <laughs> all right, man. Well I'll let you go, but uh thank you very much again. I very much appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you too, Darren. Take care. We'll uh, I'll save your number we'll be in touch.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Take care. You bet buddy. take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.